children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan... Tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? I love the efficiency of bourbon. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Yeah, baby! Holy cow! The old music, the old girls dancing. What's happening, Cornelius? Squalls, evening, gents. Evening, Dan Aguilar. How are you, my friend? It's bittersweet. I love the old intro. I love the old song. I love the old show. However, coming at the expense of the new show still kind of leaves me crestfallen to a certain extent as well. That is right. Uh, Dan Aguirre is talking about certain changes that we've made here to uh, air their souls. And we'll uh, talk about that now. I'm sure we'll have to talk about it a little later when people start asking, Hey, what's going on here? Um, I think the, the number one thing that, uh, I want to make sure that everybody knows is that we have a very, very special new acquisition to Bear Their Souls, and she has agreed to be with us regularly, and that is Marisol Duval. She is actually giving real weather reports. As you can see, tomorrow morning, it's going to be 41 degrees in Chicago, so when you get out the door... It'll be 41 degrees. Make sure you got your jacket. I'm translating for her because uh, she doesn't uh, speak English. Anyways, that's Marisol. Um, do you live uh, near Raleigh, uh, Dan? Uh, about three hours plus from Raleigh. Okay. So on, on this map, you're closer to Washington than you are Raleigh. Uh, yeah. Well, no, Raleigh's three hours. Washington is six she does i mean is that an ass implant what is that 
it's, I don't know what it is. I don't know that well. <laughs> I mean, it looks phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. But... <laughs> oh, that's funny. But uh, really what uh, Dan was referring to is that we have made some changes. Uh, as all of you know who are here, we had uh, on uh, Nomad and Mr. Shorty as part of Bear Their Souls, and things have changed. We reverted back to the old Bear Their Souls. Uh, hopefully Johnny Santucci will be joining us at about 9.15, 9.30. I haven't heard back from him other than to say he uh, will have a uh, Bear State of Affairs ready for us tonight. So hopefully he'll popping around 9.15, 9.30 or so. Um, but yeah, we've made some changes and uh, Nomad and Mr. Shorty are no longer a part of the Barroom Network. Uh, two phenomenal guys. Um, and I can't express my gratitude uh, enough for what they did for uh, the Barroom during their months here. Uh, Mr. Shorty did tons of work behind the scenes to help improve uh, what we were doing on our YouTube channel, uh, producing Open Mic, uh, which was a, a big time success. Nomad was doing a phenomenal job uh, uh, talking about prospects and uh, just entertaining people. Two fabulous people, uh, but unfortunately, it, it didn't work out. And uh, I know a lot of people are going to wonder why, what's going on. All I'll say about that is that when I started this operation nine years ago in uh, 2014, one of the things that I had as a goal for myself is that I was no longer going to have the type of pressure and stress that I had when I worked in my corporate job. That uh, was just not something that I wanted to deal with anymore. And then unfortunately, it got to the point where there were some instances where things got a little bit uh, stressful for me and the best decision for me, my health, and, um, and I think the ballroom is that we've made a change. Mr. Shorty, we will always support him, what he does over at Bears Country Podcast. I'm sure we'll have him on as a guest, Nomad as well in the future. Uh, he's got an open invitation to come here and, 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 and talk football with us. He's, again, a phenomenal talent. Where he ends up, I'm, I'm not sure, but wherever he ends up, we will definitely let you guys know. Um, and so that's really it. Uh, what do you uh I spoke think, to both Dan? guys today. Mm -hmm. I wanted uh, Nomad specifically to know, I, I want to use Phil Atoshin's uh, phrase. I didn't want to blow any smoke mm -hmm. up his ass and placate him or anything like that. Uh, but I thought, again, I, I'm not a draft expert. I don't watch college football. He was phenomenal at that. He was great at that. I think I complimented him on the air last week about that, but I just wanted him to know that I respected him and that, you know, that I thought he was really good at what he's doing, you know? I, and then, obviously, full disclosure, Dan and I are closer the Nomad and I were, but that doesn't mean that I don't respect Nomad and don't like Nomad, because I do. And uh, and Dan was like, well, I'm going to eat with Aldo when I come in town in a couple weeks. And he was like, I, there's no animosity. Mm -mm. He said he wanted to focus on his own podcast, and he has no problem. He says he's going to be listening tonight. So I just hope that there's no speculation that I had uh, any issues with either guy, because that's not... Uh, the yeah. truth, I admit that I like the show better with us. I'm not going to lie. 
mm-hmm. because I think our chemistry is better together. But that's not to say that, that that's anybody's fault. Mm-hmm. And I think if I'm, I don't want to say too much because it's, you know, it's, you said what you wanted to say, but going back, like early on, it felt like every time we were having a meeting, we were all like, man, the chemistry is, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. It's going to take mm-hmm. a while. It's going to take a while. And then it just kept taking a while um, and, and taking a while and, and, and continuing. So there you go. Yeah. You know, and I, uh, and frankly, uh, part of the reason that I wanted to expand the cast of this particular show was number one, that those guys are talented and I could see the talent and I, I knew they were going to be effective uh, being a part of the show. Uh, but number two, I also want to take some time off the, during the year. I don't want to do 52 of these during the week. I love you, Dan, but <laughs> there's things that I need to do with my family. I've got a special project that I'm working on in the month of May. Uh, so there's going to be some times where I can't make it. And so we'll figure out what we're going to do here for Better Souls. And also, PJ, we'll figure out uh, what we're going to do with Open Mic. Open Mic is going to, you know, still continue in some way. And uh, it clearly will be hosted, uh, co-hosted by somebody else other than Shorty and Nomad. Um, And um, to be fair, uh, Dan will probably do a version of that on Bears Country podcast, though. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. It may be called open mic or maybe, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying, I know he'll like, we were saying we were going to plug his stuff too. I'm sure he'll be doing the same kind of thing. So you can follow him over there mm-hmm. for that type of show. He'll probably try to do the, the same show. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Foster says, so it's an amicable thing. It's not always about Dan, LOL, fucking Foster. <laughs> Foster is so funny. I like to think but, it's not about me per se. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not about you. I said this to Nomad. I was like, your success on the show didn't make my dick small. <laughs> it, it didn't make me less than six, five. I mean, I, I had no problems or quarrels with, with he on the show doing well and having a following. Like mm-hmm. I was not threatened by that at all. And that's 100% the truth. Yeah. And, and, you know, anytime something like this happens, you know, people are going to wonder what happened, you know, what did I do wrong? Explain to me and so forth. And so we had talks and ultimately, you know, uh, I could have done a much better job of managing expectations for everyone involved. I probably could have done a better job in terms of forecasting what was going to work and not work. You know, I have, and I only say this because it's the, it's the truth. I, I've been working in this business since making a buck since 1977. I, uh, as a high school student, I was getting paid to produce, and then I eventually worked my way up into a director-level job where I had dozens of people reporting to me, all in a creative atmosphere. And I'd like to think that I, I can foresee certain things. Well, I didn't foresee some of the challenges that we were going to face. And and frankly, this is, this is you know, being the head of the barroom is more challenging than actually being uh, the head of a department where you have paid individuals they are actually employees. I'm working with volunteer uh, uh, workers. And so it's very difficult for me sometimes to impose my thoughts on them. I like to keep things open and give people creativity to do things the way they want to do things and so forth. And it, unfortunately, just d- didn't work out. Yes, Retro, well, since 1877, <laughs> I am agent. <laughs> well, if I could make another reference point, 
again, I was a huge fan, huge fan of the 100 Proof show. Mm-hmm. That's what got me here, right? Mm-hmm. And that show went through various manifestations with cast members and you try things. And I mean, I myself was on there at one point and then I myself was gone at one point. So <laughs> it, it, it happens sometimes it just like in that instance, again, I'm not saying anything I haven't already said at that point, like I think, and Shane and I are fine now, but mm-hmm. at that time he and I just rubbed each other the wrong way. I uh, are just, I thought he was being condescending. He thought I was being sensitive and we were probably doing this. Both of us were probably guilty at some point, but we were better just talking off air than than on air so mm-hmm. my point being sometimes shit like that happens whether mm-hmm. you you go into it with the best intentions i know we i was there with you in january we were talking about it we wanted to make the show better how do we make it better in the new year it's 2023 let's try something different mm-hmm. and it wasn't that it needed to be different but you just wanted not to get stagnant you wanted the right. show to just advance exactly so it, it sucks when you think well, we tried this, but fuck, man, we just got eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. You know, like <laughs> I'd like to think we won one playoff game. <laughs> we, we lost in the second round, best of seven, probably four one. <laughs> and uh, excuse me, uh, PJ makes a good point that it's it's hard to develop chemistry uh, sometimes when not everybody is you know you can see people and you can interact with people on the you know even though it's you know virtual through a, a screen it, it is it is part of the challenge and i know right. a, a lot of people i would you know who wanted to be guests but said i want to be on camera i always thought well that's a fucking challenge for us you know and sometimes i would say no to people although i think you know uh, we, we've become a little bit accustomed to it and it's now at least from a technical standpoint we know how to do it but there's still chemistry issues and i think pj is, is absolutely right so um you know, um, Mr. Foster, changing the subject, said, says, so I, he, he believes that he saw my first report at CBS, uh, the local station here in Chicago. My first news report, I was doing a Saturday weekend news reporting. They asked me to cover some rehearsal, some audition for uh, uh, pre-teenage uh, orchestra players, violins and all that stuff. And so I went out there and did a story and I, I was fucking awful. Uh, you know, everybody has to do a stand up in, in TV news. You know, they do a little bridge where they look at the camera and talking to the camera for 10, 15 seconds. My bridge was so fucking bad. And part of it was because I was nervous as hell. And so the, the producer of the newscast says, yeah, this isn't going to work. So we'll, we'll have you on the set with the anchors and you can do your bumper at the end live on the set. And then that way it'll give us an opportunity to introduce you. Was I thought I was nervous before. <laughs> and I'm going to be live. That's all they fuck. <laughs> I was so, hoping uh, you were going to unearth something like at Camp David with president Carter. I'm Aldo Gandhi. <laughs> No, uh, unfortunately, no. I, I, I wasn't when I was when I first started there. Who was the president before uh, uh, Clinton? The um, Bush. Bush. Bush was president. Yeah, I actually covered some of the Iraqi War stuff locally here in in Chicago, getting re- reaction from uh, uh, Iraqis. Tuch says he remembers my ugly face on, on TV when he was a kid. <laughs> That's right, buddy. Toots joining us early. <laughs> Toots, where are you? Why aren't you backstage? Are you just uh, partaking as a barfly? <laughs> anyway, um, again, I love those guys. They're good people. 
They got great big hearts, what they did during their limited stay here. You know, the other day on Gabriel Talks Football, uh, there were a couple of people, more than a couple, several people were, were complimenting Nomad scouting reports and stuff and said, you know, there's some other uh, bar, there, there's some other podcast network that is shit compared to your uh, draft coverage. And, and Nomad is a big reason why. And so I knew I, and. I knew that we were going to make a change, but I still put those on the screen because he deserves those accolades because the fucker is really, really good. He presents those reports uh, uh, in a very interesting way. They're detailed. He's He knows how to read film and stuff. And I know he put a hell of a lot of work. So it wasn't yeah. uh, it wasn't it wasn't an easy decision for any one of us. Uh, I agree with that. Like, you know, we had a chat group with all of us in it. Mm-hmm. And I would wake up in the evening and see like, no man was always pitching ideas and trying to do things to be better. And and like you said, he's watching hours and hours of tape. So, I mean, that's one of the things I thought I'm going to be sad for him personally, because mm-hmm. I know he was trying and putting in a lot of effort and uh, I can Absolutely. appreciate that. And I certainly respect that. Mm-hmm. So it makes it, like I said, I, I am happy. I'm not going to bullshit anybody. I am happy that this is our show again. But had we continued on, I would have been happy. Uh, you know, I don't, we would have made it work. I'm just saying. Yeah. But and I you respect, told, I, and you I told Nomad, and you told Nomad that today, right? I did, I did, and like he and I were, I think we're cool. Mm-hmm. I hope we're cool. I know Dan and I are cool, and um, I, I, I think we are. And I just wanted him to know that it, I have no animosity or, or malicious intent toward him at all. Mm-hmm. Cliff says, once he, we get past the draft, I'll be happy to be on again, and we will be happy to have you. Uh, as he has said before, he doesn't like mocks or looking at a 1,000 players. You're like Dan. Dan doesn't give a shit about the draft. Not that you don't give a shit, but you're not into the draft evaluation stuff. You you are a Bears fan. Yeah. And, you know, once the, the guys are a member of the Bears, you want to know everything you, you can about those guys, but why speculate on potential prospects is how you look at it. Yeah, okay. let's see the Bears pick ninth, right? That's where we are right now. If we don't trade, mm-hmm. there were some rumors Pittsburgh was going to trade up. But let's say the Bears pick ninth. I'm going to be following it closely mm-hmm. until the Bears pick. And then when the Bears selects whomever, then like you said, I'm going to try to go to the Bears website. I'm going to come to the bar room. I'm going to go anywhere else to try to hear more about the guy we just drafted. I'm not going to follow the draft the rest of the night after the Bears make their pick. And then on day two and day three, I'm going to be following my phone uh, saying, okay, I know we need another guard or a tackle, or, or I'm looking at positions and thinking, please fill these holes. But mm-hmm. I'm not looking at a specific player because I don't watch college football. Frankly, it bores me. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're one of many people that I've talked to who just cannot get into college football at all. And uh, I respect yeah, that. People always say that, that you know the pros are about money. Mm-hmm. And I, I take umbrage with that because – Again, I'll just reference West Virginia University because that's where I'm at. It, they can't play Pitt every year. Pitt's mm-hmm. right across the bridge, you know. They can't play Virginia Tech every year, but they've got three games in Texas. You know, it's just like, yeah, foot college football is about money more than anything. When you're mm-hmm. in a conference that's nowhere near you geographically, but yet, you again, they, how can the students of the university follow the road to, uh, go on the road trips with them when they're in fucking Texas? Yeah, that's crazy. That is nuts. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the Big 12. For some reason, West Virginia is in the Big 12, which mm-hmm. makes no sense. It's a Southwestern conference, and yet 
they're here in the mid-Atlantic states playing in the Southwest Conference. I mean, technically not called the Southwest Conference, but you get the point. You're not playing teams that you should be playing geographically. Mm-hmm. It would be like all of a sudden if the Bears were just, you know what? Fuck Green Bay, fuck Detroit, fuck Minnesota. How about every year you go and play the Chargers? Mm-hmm. Like, why the fuck are we playing the Chargers again? You know, it's cool <laughs> to play every now and again, but there's no rivalry. Yeah. Like, there's no rivalry or rhyme or reason for West Virginia to play Texas Tech. Yeah, that, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's why I don't like college football. Just shit like that. Yeah, and I primarily watch it, you know, f- to see who the top players are, to see, you know, uh, uh, Paris Johnson block uh, at left tackle for Ohio State. The, the, those, that's what I focus on. Yeah, there's drama because the college uh, football atmosphere is really fabulous. But uh, I always watch it kind of from a scout's perspective. Uh, I just want to say for a few people who have just walked in are asking, where's Nomad? Where's Nomad? A couple asking about Shorty and so forth. Uh, they're no longer with the Barroom Network. Uh, Shorty is, you can find him on Bears Country Podcast. He will uh, always uh, uh, be stopping by here at the Barroom Network uh, to guest on uh, some of the shows. Same thing with Nomad. I don't, I'm not sure where Nomad's going to land in terms of, uh, of him as a podcaster and evaluator. Uh, but wherever he does, we will let you know here at the Barroom Network. And I hope that we will have him on as well. Uh, uh, to talk football in the near future. Uh, James Hunter says uh, that, Dan, you should have a nationwide broadcast with those pipes that you have. Thank you, James. I appreciate you saying so. If you did, Dan, what kind of music would, would you oh, play? I'll say that vaguely. <laughs> there was a format change on my my radio show, and I can't get into it. I don't want to piss anybody off, and I certainly don't want to be fired. <laughs> no. <laughs> If your demographic, let's say, is 25 to 54 male, at 3 a.m., do you want to hear, like, Metallica, or do you want to hear, like, Cuts Like a Knife, Brian Adams? I mean, get the fuck out of here. But I, I don't want to piss anybody off. I'm nobody. Like, I, I mean, seriously, there's so many people above me at the radio gig, and that's fine. In my opinion, it's like, you know, I'm on the roster, but I, I've, I, I win awards and stuff for them, but it's still, I'm not, I'm not the program director. I'm not, I'm not the owner. So I'm not trying to overstep. <laughs> I told Dan, you know, Dan, with this new playlist that you're playing, you know, you're probably going to get a lot more tail, you know, because but, why? But, but how many women, I mean, I think just because it's classic rock, it's usually scaled heavier toward males. Yeah. And because it's classic rock, it's more males like in the forties and stuff. So I, I, I just don't get why you would go away from say a, a Metallica to early 80s pop i just uh, Mm -hmm. but i it's above my pay grade and i'll do everything i can to sell the music but it did it's been a bad day aldo like uh, today's the anniversary of my mom's death uh the format change thing happens my fucking washing machine my washing machine shit the bed (laughs) i still don't have a heat pump it's just like one thing after another i keep getting at some point, like the cloud has got the fucking lead, man. It's oh, got shit. it's like we're in the fog bowl here. I can't get out of the fog. <laughs> we did win that fog bowl. Though. We did, yeah. And we went to the <laughs> NFC championship game. That's and right. that's a reference to with last week's show when I was arguing that Mike Ditka always beat Buddy Ryan. Isn't it fun to look to think that Buddy couldn't beat the Bears and Lovey never beat the Bears? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. never. Like they lost every game against the Bears. Yeah. Now, Ditka was one and one. Ditka was one and one. Yeah, he beat us on a Sunday night football game with Heath Schuler, 
while we were playing uh, Rick Meyer predominantly. And then the next time it was a good game. We were down 10, nothing with like two minutes to go. And it was raining cold and Shane Matthews threw two touchdowns to Conway under with under two minutes to go. And we won the game 14, 10 and did get through his fucking headset. He was so pissed mm-hmm. off. Both of those games are soldier field. Though. Yeah. Uh, Zach Miltuch is here somewhere. Dude, where are you? <laughs> he'll, he'll be with us shortly. Um, we can't get rid of him even though we want to. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, by the way, there is uh, some Bears news that we need to talk, talk about. First of all, uh, before I get to that, former Bear, Allen Robinson, was traded. Yep. Did you hear about this? I did. My friend, One of my best friends in life is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, uh, Jason Chenzolo. And he was like, what do you think? I was like, I mean, I'm going to piss off a lot of Bears fans, but I told you, I was like, I wouldn't get excited about him. I I always thought he was overloved. I, I know everyone's going to disagree with me and everyone's entitled to their opinion. I, everyone said he was going to have this huge year in Los Angeles. He didn't do anything. Yeah, he took off a year weird. with the Bears. I just think he's an average player. That's that's me. Mike North agrees. Yeah, well, I, I got to tell you, um, Allen Robinson ha- uh, had some really good years with Mitchell Trubisky. Mike North would tell you that. And so oh, he's yeah. being reunited <laughs> with Trubisky, but Trubisky's not the starting quarterback. He's still least. there? Trubisky is still with Pittsburgh, yes. I thought he had a one-year deal. Huh, okay. No, he signed a two-year deal, and he, I'm sure he would love to be traded, and that could still happen. But, you know, hey, if he ends up being the number one quarterback, I'm sure A-Rob isn't going to complain too much. I mean, he, one season he caught, what, 100 passes with Trubisky and another season he had 80 or something like that. But he, the weird thing about this is that the they traded him to just move up 17 spots in the seventh round, and they're paying his salary or a great, great portion of his salary. And what does that point- say to you? That says they just want this guy out of the building. Well, it, I, I think it also says that they're rebuilding it and they're doing the same thing like what the Bears did with Khalil Mack. They're getting rid of all these big salaries. Um, they, you know, they're trying to acquire draft picks now. And <laughs> so I asked a question when I saw that. I asked the question Would you rather build a team with the hopes that you can win a Super Bowl now, or would you rather build long-term? And so I posted that on Twitter. 75% said, do it long-term. The way Poles is doing it now with a methodical roster-building approach so you get sustained success. And 25% said, Super Bowl now. Let's get it. You know, a couple of guys were like, hey, fuck waiting for the future. Let's do it now. Those were the comments. What do you say? In some ways, I've asked you this before, but it's almost the same poll what I'm about to ask you. Mm-hmm. But And I feel like in the other one, you say, oh, take the Super Bowl now. What if, and I, again, I'm not trying to dodge your question, but I'll ask everybody this, especially the older fans like us. Would you rather be the 85 Bears and be one and done, or would you rather be New England and go to like 37 Super Bowls? As a result, would you rather, in hindsight, would you give New England that Super Bowl if you thought it meant you were going to go to all these other ones subsequently instead of the Patriots? Now, I think all of us are going to say 85 is too special. Fuck it. We'll take 85. So with regards to today's poll, if you told me that they were going to win it in 23 and then go away like the Rams did last season or even like the Bears did in 86, 87, 88, they're still there but not winning. Dude, I'm taking the Super Bowl. 
I am. I want a Super Bowl before I die. Aldo, I'm going to be a Cubs fan. I'm going to be one of these guys that's like 79, and he's still hanging on for a Cubs World Series and then dies, and then they win. <laughs> uh, a number of people are disagreeing. They'll say they'll take the New England route. Um, and I got to I gotta say this, Dan, as I, I love the 85 season. I mean, I, that is really special to my heart. It was the first Chicago championship in, you know, my years of being in Chicago and, and it kind of, you know, busted the cherry. And right. so, but man, to, to do what the Patriots have done, fucking a, I want that fucking a, I want that. Hell yeah. I want that. As long as I don't have to have Bill Belichick, who is the most awful fucking coach to root for in the national football league. His fucking mumbling, his fucking cheating, all that. He's so condescending. Shit. I hate that motherfucker. He just I, had a birthday. I saw he turned 71, I think, on Sunday. Are you serious? He's that old? Yeah, I man. Remember, he was uh, Parcells DC for a long time. They two Super Bowls with the Giants as defensive Holy coordinator. Holy shit, man. He single-handedly what made him Bill Belichick was against Buffalo. If you recall, Buffalo beat the Raiders in the AFC championship game, something like 51 to 3. Mm-hmm. And so they were red fucking hot. And then they go to Tampa and play in Super Bowl 25, and Belichick stays in a dime the whole game, and they scored 19 points. Wow. And they scored 51 against the Raiders. So his whole thing was to say, we're only going to rush two pass, uh, two people down front, and Thurman's going to have a big game against us, but every wide receiver we're going to hit, like three people are going to hit him every time, and Andre Reid's going to catch six passes in the first quarter, and he's going to want nothing the rest of the game. Because he's wow. going to be sore and beaten up, and you're not going to score against us. That's and awesome. that, he become a coach the next season with Cleveland because of that game plan. Mm, look at that. Yeah. What do you What do you think about what Saint Omni says? He says he would even rather be Green Bay. <laughs> no, Saint Omni. <laughs> yeah, what does he mean with having the 30 years of quarterbacks? I mean, he's got a good point there. He means like, <laughs> would you rather? I mean, not to be a Packers fan per se no, in terms of Green Bay, but. It would be nice to say that you had, but you know, even if you were a Packers fan, like if they were telling you the truth, they would, we would have to think if we're Green Bay fans, man, to, to have Favre and then Rodgers and to only have two Super Bowls, you really, that's almost as bad as 85 Bears only getting one. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about 30 years of constant Pro Bowl level play at quarterback. No, Favre had his moments when the team was bad and he was struggling because he took a lot of chances. But having said that, he was still a great football player. And Rodgers has been a great football player. For them to only even get two, to only go to three with with 30 years of stellar quarterback play when we've had like three seasons total of good quarterback play in our lifetime. You know, I I guess St. Omni is is serious about Green Bay. He's saying they usually are fun to watch their seasons. But I got to tell you this, you know, I got a lot of Green Bay Packer fans and they are fucking irate that that they have only had these two titles. And they, you know, first of all, they're the most fucking entitled fans in the National Football League. I mean, the gall to call yourself title town that fucking have the goddamn championship trophy named after your head coach. That re- that really bugs me. But they, you know, you follow them on you. F- I'm sure people follow some of these guys on social media, the way they talk about their own team. And right now they want to castrate Aaron Rodgers, just like they wanted to castrate uh, Brett Favre. 
of those fucking two idiots. You know, what was fun, if you look back, was when Favre went back to Green Bay as a member of the Vikings, mm-hmm. and he beat Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau. That's right. Big game. Yeah, that, that was a huge, huge game. Yeah, that was fun, man. Again, I love seeing the, the Packers fans boo him. But, yeah, he, like, sucked up and got back into their good graces by the time – uh, remember the the Thanksgiving game where we went up there and Jay beat uh, Rodgers on Thanksgiving with John Fox? Mm-hmm. And that yep. night they had Brett Favre and Bart Starr there. And Brett Favre was on the broadcast saying that the Bears had no chance to win. And yep. uh, One of my favorite uh, Bears games of all time. If I had to make a top 10 list, I mean, it would take me an hour to do it just to jog my memory bank. But I, I'm pretty sure that would be in the top 10. That win by John Fox, it. a coach that I hated. In Green Bay, on the national stage, that was a gorgeous thing. And the way they want it, too, just good old-fashioned ass-kicking. What do you think about Dante Pettis uh, re-signing with the Chicago Bears? As you pointed out, the nice lady we met at Soldier Field mm-hmm. has been arguing to you privately that Pettis was injured and is far better than the player that we saw in 2022. Now, she has inside information on that. Just judging with the eye test... He was decent at punt returns. He was horrible at wide receiver. So if you Mm -hmm. told me he was technically the Bears' sixth wide receiver in 2023, didn't get on the field for anything but returning punts, okay. But if he's on the field in crunch time, he and St. Brown together again, like last season, you don't want that. I know St. Brown's going to make the team because he blocks well. Right. And you got to have blue-collar guys like that, but – Man, how many times did Fields have an opportunity to to get a comeback and one of these two guys or both of them would drop passes in critical situations? Right. So right now, the way I see it, EQ is the fifth wide receiver on the team. So if Dante Pettis was behind him, you wouldn't have a trouble, an issue with that, right? You want them to not be on the field at the same time, if at all possible. (laughs) Really? I'm, I'm Except not special to, teams. Yeah, well, I'm not trying to. Well, you know, if you're going to run the ball, and, and Saint Brown is, I I will be like that lady and say that Saint Brown's better than what he showed last year. He's got to be. Like that drop to lose the Dolphins game after we got cheated on the Claypool pass interference. That was a terrible effort, a terrible drop. And in fact, I think we were all saying at the time, man, he should get cut on Monday. That's how egregious the drop was. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're a pro fucking athlete. I can't remember which was it like Sylvie, maybe Mark Silver. Somebody was out catching passes with gloves on, and they almost stick to your gloves the way the old Raiders stick them was. Yeah, so, well, Adam Schefter did it on ESPN broadcast. But please go ahead. And it's so hard to drop it, especially mm-hmm. when you're wearing those gloves, and he's just dropping every ball that comes his way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Valus Jones uh, had his terrible moments returning punts and. And dropping passes. He caught a really big one late in the season. I think it was against Buffalo. You can only hope that he takes a step. I I think he will. And if he doesn't, you know, if if he comes out in early 2023 and he has a couple more drops and it just looks like, wow, this looks – I would drop him midseason. Say, okay, it didn't work. Fucking didn't work. Because my hope is is that – they're going to draft another wide receiver or two in, in in this draft. They probably won't get a guy that I'm targeting like in the fourth round, and, and I'll show you some tape on him in, in a little while. But I think that, um, you know, you got to cut your losses. I, I, I do 
believe he can turn it around and be a, an important part of this machine. I think he just got off to some bad luck, um, whatever the reason is. Uh, I, I just still believe that he can turn it around. So let's hope. And we have to hope nobody gets hurt, too. Yes. Because again, exactly. if you have any significant injuries up top with mm -hmm. Claypool or DJ Moore, or even Mooney again, who knows how far along Mooney is? He had a pretty nasty injury. You ain't kidding. And the only thing we've heard about Mooney is I think he's changing to number zero now that mm -hmm. uh, zeros can be utilized. But assuming those three guys are a go, you got to hope that you don't see Valus Jones too much. And maybe he's just inserted as a gimmick guy, whether mm -hmm. it's an end around or. You know, one of those Kansas City style shuffle passes that they fucking do, or maybe just a bomb. Just go, go deep. Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully, he's not in the game that often. Is what I'm saying. If those three guys are your guys, and you got two of them playing for a contract, and yeah. Claypool and Mooney, so you want them to be healthy and balling out, right? So I want to, you know, I, I want to talk about what the Bears, you know, could, oops, uh, could do. Uh, should do in the first round with their first round pick. But I thought it would be fun to kind of set the stage. Last week, we, we looked at previous drafts that helped build championship teams. And I thought, you know, let's have some fun here and look back at what the Bears have done with first round picks over the years. And, you know, in some since cases, the since, yeah, the 2000 season when they drafted uh, Erlacher and, and the list is scrolling down in the bottom of the, of the screen. So I'll, I'll ask you to maybe comment on, on some of these players. Clearly, we talked about Erlacher last week. That was a great draft pick. Yes. What was it, like the 10th or 11th pick of the draft? I thought he was 8th or ninth. He was right okay. after Thomas Jones, I think. I think Thomas was 7th. Yes, yes. Or, Plexico sense. Burris was right there, too. Actually, mm -hmm. that's who I wanted the Bears to draft at the time because he was so goddamn big. I just thought, this is a guy that can catch 100 balls for us, you know. Mm -hmm. But, again, at that same time, we had Jim Miller, so I don't know, and Caden McDowell. Maybe no one can throw him 100 passes. But. Yeah. Sophisticated says, I believe the Bears will draft the wide receiver later in the draft to compete at that fourth wide receiver spot. I, I agree with you, Sophisticated. I really do believe they're going to bring in some competition for that uh, fourth and, and even fifth uh, wide receiver slot. So in 2002, or excuse me, 2001, David Terrell was drafted. He had a little uh, broken bone incident. In he foot. did okay in 01. Like as he was yeah. like, there was not a lot of pressure on David Terrell early on because in 01 you had Marty Booker who made the Pro Bowl. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, don't go to a bar with him. No shit. He went, <laughs> to play, we got he didn't he served his time for that shit, right? Didn't he go to he jail? Did. Yes, he yeah, did. he's kind of like Michael Vick. He can say, I love animals too, but fuck, man. Uh, how many times do you have to get hit in the head with that? He did his time. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I will say David Terrell, like he caught some big passes when he was just like the third or fourth receiver and just kind of sprinkled in. But yeah, when he had to become the number one the next season or the number two right behind Marty, uh, he did disappoint uh, yeah. significantly. It's really hard. I mean, back then it was harder than it is now. Uh, back then it was really hard to draft uh, wide receivers th that high and have them turn out. You remember the Lions drafted a couple wide receivers early, and then yeah. finally in the third year they, they hit it big with Megatron, but they had some busts. One of them played with the Bears. Do you remember that guy? Like Williams. Roy, Roy had some good days with the Lions, and he, was, he had some good catches, but, yeah, he was a disappointment overall. Because mm -hmm. of his uh, selection, who else did they have? Like, God, there was, like you said, there was two or three of them, and, and I'm embarrassed that I can't remember their names now. But yeah, the, uh, uh, Matt Millen just kept going wide receiver every year in the first round. 
it was unbelievable what he did. Um, so uh, Terrell didn't work out, and in 2002, Mark Colombo, I thought he was going to work out, but no, the injury bug hit him. He ended up playing well for the Cowboys three, four years after the Bears. Yeah, that, again, that you can't lose sight of that turf at the University mm -hmm. of Illinois that they were playing on because they were rebuilding Soldier Field at the time. Yeah. So every Bears game was a road game that year. They're coming mm -hmm. up 13 and three. They finished four and 12. They started two and oh and finished four and 12, mind you. And in week three, had a 20 point lead against the Saints. Leon Johnson fumbles a punt return that started a, a tsunami, an avalanche of, of shit that the Bears couldn't stop. Everyone started getting hurt. They, they lost eight games in a row. Uh, that was only eclipsed by this year's team of just being horrible. Wow. Uh, so O2 was terrible, but there were a lot of injuries, including Mark Colombo, on that, that shitty field. In Champagne. How the fuck do you remember this? <laughs> I remember, that whole Champagne season, I have blocked out of my mind. It was awful. You know, another really big injury, but I think it was on the road, though, but it was still in that old. They started just putting what they call Astro play. They had just mm -hmm. gotten away from the old turf rug on concrete, but it mm -hmm. still wasn't what it is today. But uh, I think it was in the Georgia Dome where Ted Washington got hurt. And never played another down with the Bears. And that mm -hmm. was a massive loss because if you remember the year before, uh, to, to have Erlacher balling side to side, they had Keith Trailer and Ted Washington in front of him, which was copying what the Ravens did with the late Tony Siragusa and Sam Adams, mm -hmm. which is a very uh, overrated beer in my opinion. But still, <laughs> those two guys, those two monsters up front, and then they couldn't send the fullback to block him out of the way. And so that was big to lose Ted Washington. Yeah. In my opinion, it was, but you know, Lovey came in and he wanted faster guys. And, and that's why in 2004, they had two, uh, well, you're skipping over Oh three. We had two first round picks in Oh three with Haynes and Grossman. That is right. Haynes and Grossman in 2003. Haynes was a big Boston Rex, you know, took us to the Super Bowl, so to yep. speak. Right. And you can't take that away from him. As I said last week, he had a huge pass to Rasheed Davis on mm -hmm. third down in overtime in the NFC Divisional Playoff game against Seattle, and then he had a 5 for 5 Because remember, against the Saints, the Bears had a big lead. The Saints come back. Reggie Bush is pointing at us. It seems like all the momentum is turned. And then Rex goes 5 for 5 on a drive and hits Barry in the end zone, touchdown, and it took the, or got us the momentum back. But then it started mm -hmm. to snow, and then Jones started running over him, and I could come if I keep talking. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. You take me back there. It was like, yeah, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> oh, God. What a fun time. <laughs> yep, indeed. Benson was drafted the next year. And as soon as they announced that name, I was like, why? We got Thomas Jones. I don't understand why you're taking a pick that high. But as Greg Gabriel has revealed on this network, that it was a lovely decision. He really and wanted that hard uh, nose uh, running back. And the irony is they forced out Anthony Thomas, who maybe disappointed after his rookie year. Oh, two. He, I remember he played like he missed the last year. Of, or I'm sorry, the last month of the season. He, he broke his finger or something. And mm -hmm. so he still had like 900 yards. He's on the cusp of a thousand, missed the last four games. If he's not hurt, he may have had 1,200 yards. Mm -hmm. But then in 03, he doesn't, he doesn't do that well. He gets like maybe a thousand. And then so Lovey's first. As soon as free agency starts, as soon as Lovey's the coach, within a half hour, they sign Thomas Jones. So my point is, Lovey chose Thomas Jones and then just as quickly chose Cedric Benson to replace Jones, even though jo Jones was playing incredible football. Yeah, I mean. It's maddening. 
if we were to get lucky and get Lovey on this show, that that's got to be one of the questions we pose. He probably would blame it on Greg Gabriel. <laughs> Boy, Greg, got, Greg got hot at somebody on Twitter when they uh, inferred that maybe he drafted David Terrell. He's like, I didn't draft that motherfucker. <laughs> he disliked Terrell immensely. Um, so we get Tommy Harris in 04. Great pick. And I'll, I'll, I've said this a couple times on this network. I do believe that guy was so awesome that – teams were trying to purposely hurt him they would chop block him go against his knees they they figured that's the only way to stop this guy because he was aaron donald he was aaron donald before aaron donald his quickness and what he did in the middle with that pass rush and as you said last week not having thomas harris on that super bowl team weighed heavily um and mike brown too and the irony of both of those moments aldo you remember the famous game against Arizona where we come back and Devin Hester, no, we don't score any points on offense. Obviously, everybody remembers that, right, on Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. That's the game Mike Brown goes down and scored a touchdown in that game and misses the rest of the year. So, again, bittersweet moment. And then Tommy gets hurt, tears his hamstring in the game where we clinched the division against Minnesota. So, mm. again, you're so euphoric about this comeback and we're division champs for a second straight year. And then you lose Tommy, though, and he tears his hamstring. You know it's bad. And he never was able to, to come back to the level of the player he was before that injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Demon is right. Uh, running back Thomas Jones played in the Netflix Marvel TV show Luke Cage. He had a really – he was there season one and two. In season two, his role was expanded. He's made a number of feature films. I saw uh, one of them, I'm forgetting the title, where he was a, a bare-knuckle fighter. Um, he's had a, a nice career in Hollywood, and um, he's been nice enough to join us. What three times in the bar room? Three times here at the bar room, indeed. Um, so time to call him again and have him back. So uh, then uh, the trade for Cutler is made, and so in two thousand and six, two thousand, no pick. No, no, was that? Yeah. No, no. Cutler's oh nine. Uh, why That's don't right. we? Have, okay, yeah, because why don't we have a pick there? Let's see. Uh, you said oh six was the one we didn't have a pick. Correct. Why don't Help us out, chat room. Because 07, we're going to take Greg Olson at the end of the first round, like the last player of the first round, I believe. That is correct. So 06, why didn't we have a first round? Who? Uh, no, Musin Muhammad was a um, a free agent. Mm-hmm. We got a Goulier for Marty Booker. That's what, that's what I always thought. Do you think we should have kept Booker? Yes. Adewalia Goulier. I mean, I liked Adewalia, but I think Booker in his prime was really good for us. Yeah. Uh, Booker was one, also one of my favorite wide receivers because he was so effing brave. I mean, that guy took so much punishment. He caught 100 passes or more, I think one, or was it two seasons? I think two years in a row, 01 and 02. And yeah. obviously he's not exactly playing with great quarterbacks at the time. No mm-hmm. offense to Shane Matthews or Jim Miller or even Cade McDown. But, uh, yeah, uh, Marty was doing good things for us, man. And yeah. we, but on paper, we needed a defensive end. So I know why they made the trade to the Dolphins. It made sense on paper, but I still thought it was kind of like Oakley uh, for Bill Cartwright. I still think the, the Bulls would have been even better with Oakley, I think. Oakley was so fucking tough, man. I mean, he's not an offensive genius or something. He's not, a, he's not down there like giving you moves that are going to fucking blow your mind, but he's mm-hmm. an enforcer. He's going to play great D, and he can score a hell of a lot more than Bill Cartwright. Or Stacy King, or Will Purdue, or Bill Winnington, or Luke Longley. Yeah, he he was traded because he uh, he he used to 
uh, bitch slap Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant. He treated them like they were his kids. <laughs> That's not a good analogy. But he treated them poorly. I think Jerry Cross was worried that that was going to ruin uh, team chemistry. Plus, he really thought it was important in order to run that triangle uh, to have a, a center like Bill Cartwright who wasn't so much worried about take, getting his shot off but was in, uh, more of a distributor of the ball and stuff. But I, I agree. I hated to see Oakley go. go. And you know, Jordan uh, loved him. Jordan, I was just going to say that Jordan really was pissed off about that trade. He was pissed off about everything Jerry Cross did. Um, so uh, getting back to our number one did, pick, did we find out why we didn't have a pick in 06? No, no nobody seems to know that. Uh, I should know you. that. I don't. I can't remember why that would have been. Yeah, uh, PJ says that we not have the pick because of the trade for Gaines uh, from Tampa no, Bay. Gaines Adams. That's uh, 2011. Uh, he, after the 10 yeah. season, we signed Gaines, and then he died. Okay, so let me see. Let's hit the Google machine. 2006 Bears trade uh, first round pick. Let's see what happens when we get. This. Yeah, there's got to be a, a reason for this. Um, that was part of Bears have history of dealing draft picks. Uh, it's a story. 2015. Brand no. 2000 and Thomas Jones, second round pick. No, not that one. Um, trade with the Chargers. No, I can't find it. The fuck. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I that I can't remember that. Like, again, our big acquisitions at the time would have been Musin Muhammad. Here's Cliff says uh, Bears traded round one for picks two and three uh, in 2006. So to they, who, though? Yeah. Do you recall, uh, Cliff, who that was with? Uh, let's see. The last time the Bears traded down in the first round, uh, the draft was 2006 when they sent the 26 overall pick to the Buffalo Bills for rounds, for selections in round two and three. That's not a bad look trade, at, actually. Yeah, look at Cliff. All right, man. Let's give him props for that shit. I remember that at all. Yeah, me neither. You know what's what's ironic? Who's Buffalo's coach at that point? Dick Jerron. Old Chicago <laughs> Bear, Dick Jerron. It's all about relationships in this league. It is. Yep. So uh, Greg Olson is drafted in 07. Uh, Greg, man, I, I know everyone loves Greg Nice on TV and everything, but he's one of those guys that Bears underutilized even when we had him before <laughs> Cutler. They, sometimes in during the Kyle Orton Rex era or Brian Greasy, they would put him on the side and get a mismatch for him and basically run a fade route. And that was so good. It's what I wish they would do nowadays with uh, Komet and mm -hmm. get mismatches. But it just seemed like Greg was coming into his own and Jay loved him. And if you're worried about a guy not having a lot of friends, why would you trade his best friend on the team? Yeah, exactly. And exactly. then they trade him for nothing just because Mike March is like, I don't know if we need a tight end. Mm -hmm. Don't I mean you should be able to work a, a, a an asset like that into your system? Yeah, I mean that's been part of the Bears' problem. There's no synchronicity. So you draft a tight end, and then uh, two years later you bring in an offensive coordinator who doesn't like using pass catching tight ends. It's like, what the fuck are we doing here? You know? I mean, that's can't you sign Brandon Mana 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 whatever the fuck his name was? And still keep Greg Olson? Exactly. Like, like I remember the Redskins always had all those good tight ends that none of them, like, uh, by themselves would mm -hmm. hurt you. But 
what was it like? Uh, God, what was his name? Don, some Don Warren. And, and, and yeah. they had like three of these like no name tight ends, but all together as a, like a unit could really do some damage to you and hurt mm-hmm. you. Uh, God, that one caught a big pass against us in the super or the uh, playoffs too. Uh, Ke- uh, Kellen, was it Kellen? Uh, no. Kellen oh, Davis. Man. I forget. Kellen Davis is somebody the Bears drafted. I was trying to think of the ones that Redskins had uh, in comparison with those. It doesn't matter, but yeah, the they had really good no name tight ends. Is what I'm saying uh, in, the, in the late '80s. 2008, the Bears draft Chris Williams again, another offensive as back, lineman as a back yeah. injury. As soon as they draft him, unbelievable. And um, I mean, and, and Gabe Karimi in 2011, uh, 2009, and 2010, we had no picks. That was because of, because Jay of Jay. right? Uh, then Karimi in 11 gets injured. You know, what the fuck? And I, w- I was really pounding the table for this kid, um, Gabe Karimi. And, uh, you know, Wisconsin, I think all of those five offensive linemen they had in that season, all of them were drafted and played well in the National Football League, if I remember correctly. But um, uh, except for Gabe Karimi, it's like, what the fuck? So of yeah. course it happens to us. I know it wasn't a first-round pick, but it just it was so funny in some regards. I think he was like a third-round pick for the Bears in like 07. We drafted a guy named Dusty Dvorak. Mm-hmm. And then it seems like within a year, he's working at college football games as an announcer. <laughs> Yes. It's like we drafted him. He's like, he sucks. And fuck it. He's working at ESPN within a year. Mm-hmm. Only the Bears could have a, a pick like that that suddenly was on TV and had a broadcasting career. Crazy. After crazy, being a bust. Crazy, crazy. Um, oh, Greg my gosh, Olsen. <laughs> Notice for his position, I just put question marks because. He was that guy was drafted and really didn't have a position. You remember he was he was at defensive end, then he was at linebacker, then somebody released photos that were taken of him at the combine. He had so much fucking flab on his body that I can't believe I'm not one of these underwear Olympics, you know, go after players who are cut muscular and stuff, but that guy, his body looked like mine. <laughs> so it's like no way. And and he he was the first Bears player to wear Singletary's number after Mike Singletary. Because oh, wow. at first he was 99. He wore Dan Hampton's number early, which is a fucking sin too. And then they moved him to linebacker as opposed to defensive end when he was too light. He was way too light to be a defensive lineman there. He's just getting beaten up. And then he goes to linebacker, actually hurts Aaron Rodgers in the collarbone game, which I, I appreciated, but – uh, yeah, then he wears Mike Singletary's number. I was like, who? And this bum got a ring with the Patriots. Don't forget mm-hmm. that. He's a Super Bowl champion. Yep. Ah, then we move forward, and uh, Phil Emery's last two picks weren't bad. Uh, Kyle Fuller and um, – who am I forgetting here? David uh, Terrell. No, that was uh, – no, 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 That no. was Ryan Pace's first one. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, okay. So uh, where were we? Uh, McClellan was 13 – in 2012, let's see, it's coming up here. I can't okay, see yeah. my notes here, but it's coming up here. Number okay, nine, so number 10 and 11 are Jerry Angelo's last ones. Right. So, yeah, so 12, he takes Shane McClellan, then Kyle Long, which seemed to be a reach at the time, but ended up, he ended up earning his keep. He did. And he Kyle did. Fuller, too. Although, you may recall, Kyle Fuller had what everyone said was a routine, like, knee scope 
in mm-hmm. like July, and he's like, I'm just not playing this season. And then came back and had the best season of his career. Mm-hmm. So Indeed. it's just, it, yeah. And then, and then Kyle Long was so good until he got hurt in Tampa Bay when they had to cart him. Yep. And he was just never the same after that. And that's another guy that would fight and fuck you up over Jay Cutler, too. He would fight and fuck you up over anything. Yeah, but he definitely, he, he loved Jay, man. He loved Jay Cutler. He did. He did. Hey, I think he was the type of guy that no matter who your quarterback was, he, he, he was programmed to just protect him. Like if he was a guard dog, you know, um, but maybe he really did like him. Oh, he did like Jay. He, he said it over and over that, yeah, that Jay was misunderstood and that Jay was a great leader and he respected him and they hung out at the house and yeah. They were intellectually on the same level. Jay, Jay's really a smart guy, you know, and like is a huge oh, yeah. reader, you know, those kind of things. So like Kyle would appeal to that with their intellect as well. Mm-hmm. So then Ryan Pace comes in and uh, Kevin White is his first uh, oh. draft pick and uh disaster right from the start. And the Bears, and- typical Bears, they keep lying about his injury. Remember that? They're like, well, he's probably going to be back in what, like three or four days. Yes, right, right. And then it was like, well, it's going to be a week, and then maybe it's going to be two weeks, and then he's fucking out for the season. Mm-hmm. And then the kid comes back and he catches like one ball, and he's out for the season again. He's out for the season again, and just terrible, man. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a uh, an omen of what was ahead with that Ryan Pace regime. I mean, they end up. Uh, drafting Mitchell Trubisky and Pace won't even tell tell his head coach. It was, you know, deceit, and you, you shouldn't run an organization that way. I'm not saying you, you give away secrets to all your fan base, but if your fucking number one draft pick is hurt, come out and say it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's an injury. We're not quite certain what the extent of the injury is, but we'll keep you informed. It could be weeks. Hopefully it's not. But, no, they fucking lied. And you could just say he's out indefinitely. We're not sure yet. And yes. that'll that'll buy you time and understanding from the fan base. But another part of that is that he came in with a little smug. And again, I'm not just saying this because Ryan Pace didn't ultimately succeed. Mm-hmm. But he came in with a little bit of uh, smugness when he's just like, you know what? I don't want Brandon Marshall on my team. I don't want Martellus Bennett on my team. I don't want Alshon Jeffrey. I don't like players like that. Mm-hmm. So right from the jump, he's getting rid of our skill position players and trying to make up for it with Kevin White. Yes. You know, so maybe if you don't panic and get rid of your best players, I, whom I realized at the time, all of them had some baggage. Yep. But still, like they were all in their prime still. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard for me. To, and I hated Alshon Jeffrey. And I hated him when he taunted us with the Eagles and the, and the Cody Parkey playoff game and but the dude had some talent. There's he no, th- yeah, he made some really good catches for the Bears. So yeah, to move on from all of those guys essentially at the same time is a little arrogant. Yeah, like I mean, oh, that- this isn't my kind of player. Yeah. Well, you know, I I do understand the whole philosophy. Greg Gabriel's been beating it over to my head. Over my head. If you know, you got to draft guys that are going to fit your scheme, but. I don't think it was a scheme issue with those players. I just think that they wanted to bring in their own players, and that's stupid. If if you got guys that can play and can play in any scheme that are, have versatility, then keep them. You know, keep them or, or get a replacement. Get a right. viable replacement because <laughs> exactly. all of the guys, in theory, were were going to at least get you 
a decent draft pick for them. Mm-hmm. Even Brandon, who so many people would demonize because of his his ailments mentally and overcoming borderline personality disorder, uh, you know, and he had a lot of frustration. And, you know, he almost he was going to beat the fuck out of Carmen DeFalco, which would have been great. Oh my <laughs> but, God. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, like, he had his moments where you'd say, okay, Brandon, that's why, or wanting to go do inside the NFL, even mm-hmm. when they tell you not to. So I get, you know, some of those things, but he was so good that you almost could give him a little extra like that, I think. Mm-hmm. He was the best wide receiver in my lifetime, easily, for the Bears. Yeah. A- absolutely. 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 I can't argue with that. So after uh, Kevin White, uh, Leonard Floyd is selected. That was a I good think... draft pick, although they didn't really utilize him right. It just didn't seem like they used him right. Right. But it kind of was like, well, we've got Khalil Mack here. So if you're not getting 15 sacks, you're a loser. Right. And again, he's a little undersized, a little immature at the time. And, you know, it's not like Mac had the one really good year. and We've talked about it. It's not like he was lighting it up every year. So I, I don't know. I don't think – I think Leonard's a little bit misunderstood in that regard too. I don't think I would call him a bust. And, you know, a lot of people would, but he did okay with the Rams. Mm-hmm. Where's you, the he signed yet? He, no, he's still a, a, a unrestricted free agent. Would you sign him and say, okay, uh, go out there and win that defensive end position and rush the quarterback only? Don't. Don't fucking drop back into coverage. You're a defensive end now. Would you do that? I guess you have to wait and see what they draft first. Yeah, and I think that you know any big free agent signing, if they are going to do any uh, in 2023, is going to be after the draft, no doubt about it. Um, all right, so after Leonard Floyd, it's the Mitchell Trubisky fiasco. Um, you know, I, I, I'll go. I'll go down to my grave. I, I want it engraved in my tombstone although wanted patrick mahomes <laughs> i want that's you definitely said that that's the best uh, player personality and, <laughs> and quentin nelson the next year and quentin nelson and jalen hurts i had a man crush on jalen hurts and uh, i wish i had his bank account now no God shit damn. holy shit so is that a good thing for uh justin fields is that uh um, uh, Jalen has signed that contract. And, and you know, it always, whenever a guy got paid like that, you're like, oh, it's going to really, it's going to like Russell Wilson is eventually it's going to catch up and hurt the team where you have to start cutting people, but it never seems to hurt Kansas city. I know they traded Tyree kill, but somehow they managed the cap so well, in spite of Mahomes's mega contract that they handle it. I don't know how Philly will handle it. Maybe they'll do it the same way. You just hope that if we get to the point where we need to pay Justin like that, that the Bears will be able to do things like Kansas City and and not lose the whole team. Because somehow the Chiefs seem to to not really lose anybody. Like significant, they're still winning Super Bowls in spite of that large contract. Right, right. I got to tell you, I think this could be a really good thing for the Bears if Justin proves that he is the guy in 2023 this season and which is why this upcoming draft you really have to focus on getting him all of the offensive line protection you can get i would love to get jalen carter but if you if i got a choice between jalen carter and um one of the offensive linemen who can protect and save his ass from punishment i'm going to go with the offensive lineman because we have to know for sure that 
then we can extend his contract and work out a deal similar to Jalen Hurts and have him in the fold for the next five, six years. And the great thing about what Jalen Hurts did is he said, you know, I don't want what Lamar Jackson wants. I don't want all that guaranteed dollars because I want to make sure I got playmakers around me. And hopefully Justin Fields is going to do the same thing and not be and, and be more like Tom Brady and yeah. Jalen Hurts as opposed to Lamar Jackson. Or God bless Aaron Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers. God bless those guys. You know, it's their prerogative to want that. But in the game of football, it's a team and you need players. And and unfortunately, you know, the, uh, the CBA signed that contract that makes that puts teams under salary crap restrictions, and that's the way it is. So, um, you think Lamar stays in Baltimore? I think he will for this season, um, because I don't think any other team is going to sign him now. After the draft, maybe some team doesn't land the quarterback they wanted to in the draft, maybe they'll go after Lamar Jackson and and send two number one draft picks, uh, but like. I don't know. I don't know, man. Anyway, today I asked the question, uh, if the choice was at number nine, what would you do? Would you pick a protector for Justin Fields or an offensive weapon or trade down for more picks or a pass rusher? So it was 44% saying a protector for Justin Fields, an offensive tackle. 33% said trade down and get more picks. 20% said get that pass rushing defensive lineman or get Jalen Carter up the middle. And then uh, less than 3% wanted a running back or a wide receiver. I'll ask you this question, Dan Aguirre. If, at number nine, let's say all things being equal, you've got uh, your scouts have told you this defensive lineman is available and we've graded him the same way as this offensive lineman. Pick one. Who would you pick? Or trade down. I'm not trading down. Uh, I I think you want to make, in my opinion, I mean, I'm not going to be mad if Ryan Poles trades down because he knows more football than I'll ever know. Mm -hmm. But in theory, at some point, you know, you had the first round pick, the first pick of the draft, and you have already traded down, and we all agree we're happy with that. But you don't want to, like, miss out on a really solid pick. Mm -hmm. So – I would probably lean offensive tackle just because I, I saw Justin take so many hits last year or even the year before, but last year it felt even worse. And But if they took a defensive lineman, someone that can get pressure or whether the, the all-sought-out three-tech that everyone talks about, then I, maybe I wouldn't be so upset. But trading down or, or running back a wide receiver, I would be kind of upset. I would think somebody on those two lines – Offense or defense is the way I would go. Uh, one alignment, either way. Well, um, the one of the good things about this draft class is with the ninth pick, there are there are four first round worthy offensive linemen that play the tackle position in this draft. So you could potentially trade down from nine and get to eleven, uh, fourteen, sixteen, and one of those four guys will be there. So. I would love to try to get an early third round draft pick uh, because then you can get your defensive lineman early, you know, at, at pick number 32 from the Steelers or 33 or 34, 35, something like that. And so that's the possibility. That would be my, 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 uh, my preference. Now, let me ask you this, Dan, and everyone in the, in the chat room, would you be upset if Ryan Poles drafted a cornerback in the first round? Yes. Why? 
Well, because I think we've been ignoring for years, the bears ignored safety for years and just mm-hmm. hoped that somewhere along the lines, we'd sign somebody and we've been ignoring the offensive line as well. It didn't matter who the coach was, whether it was lovey or it was always now the lovey free agency of Oh, four, five, six worked out well signing and fixing the line. But beyond that, it seems like every coach we've had has just been mixing and mixing and matching pieces to try to come up with an offensive line. At some point, you have to say, this is how we're going to win is investing in this line. Mm-hmm. You can't just always like work around it and, and hope to camouflage it, which is what the Bears have been doing for nearly two decades. Mm-hmm. I agree. I What's agree. What's Danny saying here? I see it. Danny Shimon's target. Danny says his targets for the number nine pick. He really loves Tyree Wilson and Jalen Carter and Will Anderson and uh, Devin uh, Devin Witherspoon is a corner, and so is Christian Gonzalez. He really loves any one of those guys if he wanted to go defensive player. If you're going to go offensive player, he wants either Paris Johnson, Roderick Jones, or Peter Skoronsky. That Will Anderson guy is going to go top three, though, right? That's the expectation. He has dropped a little bit. You know, a lot of people say maybe he's going to be the number one and stuff, but he's dropped a little bit. But in my mind, there's no way that Jalen Carter or Will Anderson will be there when the Bears draft number nine. They're just too damn good. I bet the Lions will take uh, Carter if he's available. Mm. And then we're going to hate him. I know. That's the scary part about it. You know, I, I... this guy could fucking decimate. I don't care who we have in the middle of the offensive line. If he shows up, Jalen Carter shows up to Detroit, ready to play, get in shape, do whatever his coaches do, he will fucking kill Justin Fields. We're going to need a, a fullback back there with a with a shotgun to, to stop that guy. He's such a beast. And we already dealt with that with them with Sue. Mm-hmm. Sue was always taking cheap shots on, on Cutler, man, just abusing yeah. him. Uh, indeed. So um, let me see what I got here. Tooch is, uh, just got here. He's loading up some pictures for his bare state of affairs. So uh, let me squeeze. I was going to say, what kind of pics? Where is he going with this? <laughs> <laughs> let me, let's get a weather report from Saul Perez. This is uh, the five-day weather forecast. Uh, she's oh, my telling God. Us, she is from uh, Argentina, and uh, but she's given us this five-day weather forecast for the Chicago area. Tonight, it's going to be 35 to 42. Wednesday, it is going to the high in Chicago, 77 degrees for Look Wednesday. Look at that fucking Thursday. thigh. Oh, yeah, that too. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, welcome, Sal Perez, to the Barroom Network on Friday. A chance of rain at night. And Saturday, it's going. the temperatures are going to drop back down to the 40s. But whatever happens, I will have Sal uh Perez in my dreams forever. If I was her kid, I'd breastfeed until I was like seven. <laughs> Seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a thing. There's a weird fucking thing where women do that, like let their kids breastfeed until like early elementary school. <laughs> I've seen that on documentaries. It seems really uh, like nasty to me. <laughs> yeah. It does. Thank God. And I was mentioning this since my, it's my mom's anniversary, uh, death anniversary. Thank God she never breastfed me. <laughs> I can say, looking back, she said she didn't breastfeed me because she smoked cigarettes. So mm-hmm. I'm just so glad that I can know I can look my mom in the eyes and say I never sucked her fucking breast. So it's <laughs> such a good thing to know. I don't know if I was breastfed or not. I don't think I want to know. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's a horrible, like, 
<laughs> realization to think. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> oh my god! All right, see, let's see if we can get a quick draft report on here because I I wanted to share with people some of the stuff that we're doing on the Patreon. Well, page. can I ask you one quick question? Absolutely. And just your opinion. Now that the dust has settled a little bit, a little bit, what do you think about Roquan? Bad pick? Good pick? Oh, um, yeah, no, it was a definitely a good pick. Definitely a good pick. And um, I, I understand why Ryan Pose, I mean, Ryan Pose really wanted to decimate this roster and bring in all of his players. You know, I think he could have signed Roquan. I mean, this, it was big. Roquan said he was, he got the same thing he was asking for with the bears. So it could have happened. You know, I, I, I don't think it was a bad pick, but I'm not, I'm not missing him. You know, right, I think yeah. there, there's the guy that we have now, Tremaine Edmonds. I think he's better suited for this defense. I think he's faster. He's going to remind us a lot of Brian Erlacher in that middle linebacker position. So I think we're good. Uh, good luck to you, Roquan. Uh, but I, um, <laughs> Retro says, my, my mom, <laughs> my, my mom had itty bitty titties <laughs> on her drugs and alcohol. <laughs> That may be TMI, Retro. <laughs> I have no idea how large my mom's breasts were, and I'm glad that I can sit here and tell you I, I don't know. I'm so glad. Oh, BJ says he's looking for the Weather Channel has any one of those two bras on. <laughs> All right. So you want to offer an opinion on Roquan before I roll this video? <laughs> yeah, I kind of concur with you on that. Yeah. All right. So I mentioned that there are uh, four or five offensive linemen uh, that are worthy of going in the first round. So let's say we do draft a defensive lineman. So what might be available to us in the second round? Here's the guy that Greg Gabriel has said he's his fifth best offensive tackle available in this draft. And this is an abbreviated draft report, uh, draft evaluation from Danny Shimon on uh Matthew Bergeron, he's from Canada. Bergeron's a three-year starter, making uh, 39 starts over his collegiate career at Syracuse. He has started at both at left and right tackle. He's a two-time All-ACC selection and a team captain. Overall, Bergeron projects as a functional starter at either tackle position or possibly inside a guard. He is an experienced three-year starter who displays quick feet, agility, and explosion desired in an up-tempo zone-based blocking scheme. He's a better run blocker than a pass blocker currently. He will need to learn to sustain longer and get stronger at the next level. So I, I project that uh, Bergeron is, is tailor-made to, to be in a zone a stretch blocking scheme, something similar to what the Bears have right now. We should call Ryan Badgley up because uh, Badge, I think, went to all the Syracuse games, so he got to see Bergeron up close. I saw Bergeron at the Senior Bowl. was very impressed with him. He's, he's not – Nearly as good as Paris Johnson, uh, the kid out of Ohio State who is friends with Justin Fields. That's my number one choice. Um, but uh, if we selected a Jalen Carter or a Will Anderson or some other great player at number nine, and if Bergeron is there available in the second round, I would not uh, I would not be unhappy about that. Well, one thing that from Danny's report that I did not like is it seems like anytime there's a guy that's somewhat of a tweener. The mm -hmm. Bears always put him at the wrong position. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Or they fuck with him and, and change his position, like Cody Whitehair or Ky uh, Kyle Long, and just fuck up his his synchronicity and fluidity. 
<laughs> just get him out of rhythm, man. I, so I hope that whoever they draft, I hope that he's there to play that one position and not moved all over the fucking place and 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 just establish. I mean, you didn't see, you know, Keith Van Horn also playing left guard and left tackle. He's your fucking right tackle. Like we need a guy that plays right tackle. Unless you're going to go left, and I don't think they're going to, because they like, you know, our guy from last year's draft. And so it's just like, just get a guy from there, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, PJ is still looking for the weather girl, and uh, Skeet Dog says he's already found her, LOL. But uh, I, lo I love St. Anthony's text here saying that that explains Retro's uh, mental issues, his mom having alcohol and drugs in her milk. <laughs> well, I'm not going there. I will tell you that Danny Shimon looked like former Baltimore Colt Miami Dolphin Earl Morrill in that report. Oh, Earl Morrill. <laughs> Holy cow. I think Danny is going to be very upset with you. <laughs> well, Danny, yeah, Danny looks like a guy that could have played the NFL in like 68, 69 <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. With that haircut. Yes, I agree yeah. with that. <laughs> he was Johnny Unitas' backup. <laughs> Retro says that I am Mole, he is Curly, and that you, then are Joe Besser. You know who Joe Besser is? I don't. I was about to say, who's Joe Besser? He is the last of the Three Stooges. They had His name was, uh, oh, I thought he was Curly Joe or something. Yeah, that Curly, I think, was the first. Shemp was the second, and I think Joe Besser was the third. Uh, and this was like when they were way past their primes. So you know, Shemp Shemp looked like Rudy Tomjanovich, the old Rockets coach. <laughs> he did. Shemp is considered the most underrated of the Stooges. A lot of the claim, of course, goes to Curly and then Moe and then Larry. Uh, but a lot of people think that Shemp may have been the most talented of all. Larry of looks like the second singer from ACDC, Brian Johnson. Ooh. He has that same curly ass going bald hair. <laughs> Tooch, let me know when you're ready. Because uh, if you are not ready to Oh, he's all ready. Look at this. Let's uh, hold on. Let me change my graphic here first. Uh, actually, let me do it this way. I bring Tooch on. And then I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to do this. Hey, Tooch, how are you? Coming in. I'm, I remember to unmute, so I'm doing good. <laughs> I love it. And your your head looks like it's just uh, uh, floating because of all the darkness around you. <laughs> I was born in the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tucha, you've been working hard on your bear state of affairs? Yeah, always. You know, <laughs> lo love, doing, uh, love doing bear state affairs. Got some material from today's news and all that. Yeah. I love it. All right, well, let's get yeah. started with this baby. All right. All right. Our bare state of affairs off season week 13. What's happening, bars, flies? Well, the big news this week is that Justin Fields got the best news of his life to date yesterday. Yes, the big news was Jalen Hurts' new contract. Yeah, worth $225 million, the highest paid player in NFL history. And of course, there's also Lamar Jackson's latest $200 million contract offer. 
Justin Fields sees a lot of dollars, 200 million at least, floating around in his near future. Finish out that rookie contract and improve on that career arc, and that 200 million plus will be yours, kiddo. Oh, yeah, and in team news, the Kevin Warren era began yesterday at Hallis Hall. Yeah, Warren, yeah. the new team president, officially took over for longtime president and fan whipping boy Ted Phillips. And Monday, Kevin Warren came out firing with some hype bullets. We're not going to take shortcuts, said Warren. We're going to build an incredible franchise. I came here to win championships, to win the NFC North, to win the NFC, to win the Super Bowl, to help shepherd and lead a stadium development project, to embrace our alumni, to embrace our history and tradition, and to embrace the absolutely incredible Chicago Bears fans. That's why I'm here. Welcome aboard, Kevin. May you fly high over the low bar set by your predecessor. <laughs> <laughs> Great line. <laughs> well, one of the most significant items on Warren's to-do list with the Bears will be the Arlington Park Stadium Development Project. The Bears organization has purchased the 326-acre property in suburban Arlington Heights, but has yet to commit to building a new stadium on site. 326 acres. That's a lot of room for the barkeeper to roam on game days. Well, the NFL draft is so close now. And the bar room will be working extra hard to bring barflies the best Chicago Bears draft coverage out there. We are nine days out. Ryan Poles and his staff seem to have played their cards perfectly. People wondered why Poles was so quick to make the trade with Carolina. The Wiley GM may have gotten a sense that teams would cool on the quarterbacks as the draft drew closer. That meant that Poles had to maximize his return as quickly as possible. He succeeded landing the Bears a number one receiver and three additional high draft picks. If that weren't enough, he has the team in great position to move down a second time. Yes, the guy who loves trading. If two of the top quarterbacks fall into that spot, it's highly likely that at least one team will call and want to trade up. Outside of that, it's been reported that Pittsburgh, who holds the number 17 pick, wants Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter. All the offensive tackles and one of the top corners will also likely be there at nine. Poles will have plenty of bait to dangle. It will come down to which offer the Chicago Bears would benefit the most from. Yet another reminder that the draft is always impossible to predict. In fact, recently it was Bears barroom draft expert Greg Gabriel. Yeah, who was talking about the trade, the ideal trade scenario with Pittsburgh, and who was also featured by Eric Lambert on Sports Mockery with a link to the barroom show. How about that? Thanks for nice. watching. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for watching, Eric. We have to get him on the show. Yeah. Yeah. I've invited he, Eric before, but yeah. He said no. You, you know, although I always uh, felt well, that he was like clickbait kind of guy, you know? <laughs> He is. Hey, he does it very well. <laughs> free, uh, free barroom publicity. We'll take it, right? I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. it, it wouldn't be bare state of affairs without checking in on Aaron Rodgers, right, Danny? While well, it appears that the Packers have moved on from Rodgers and begun the Jordan Love era, Rodgers is still under contract with the Packers. That means that at any time, Rodgers could decide to show up at the Packers offseason program and make things awkward for the team. <laughs> I'm sure the Packers are hoping that stays the same while they continue looking to consummate a trade deal for the flaky QB. This week, the biggest news, oddly enough, was Roger's girlfriend, 
Mallory Eden's posing in a racy swimsuit, Danny. Look at that. Whoa! Whoa! How about this one? Whoa! Yeah! yeah. Ooh la la. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if any of these women come out later and they're like, yeah, Aaron really didn't like to fuck me, but I did peg him frequently. <laughs> that's, that's writing my jokes for me, Aldo. <laughs> Uh, I'm a little bit so. Let me interrupt uh, you. Uh, exclusive video of uh, of a video that uh, from uh, Aaron Rodgers' girlfriend. Hello, little boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, this, this, all these pictures and Rodgers' girlfriend left me a little confused. Although from darkness retreat to a dark closet, and that is bare state of affairs! <laughs> In the closet, Rogers! You think maybe he takes dope to try to, like, you know how some people are like, I'm gonna pray away the gay or whatever. It's like he's gonna, like, like take acid to get away the gay. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wish I wish he and all the other Green Bay Packers would just come out, you know? <laughs> be good for society i think that, uh, i wouldn't that, be surprised uh, if that coach was also you know the little boy <laughs> matt lafleur <laughs> that young lady is the daughter of the milwaukee bucks owner wow uh, fyi yeah. and um did you say that she was dating aaron Rodgers? that's his new girlfriend i as from what i've heard all accounts today in the news yeah I can see Rogers being one of those kind of guys. I was thinking about with the bucks in mind, one of those guys, the furries, they dress as animals when they fuck each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I saw a, what was that show on HBO called real sex? They did a feature. On oh that. yeah. Uh, this is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. HBO, HBO real sex. Did you all see HBO max is like becoming just max? Yeah. What's the story behind that? Why are they doing that? I, it's like they got bought. They, some kind of merger with like the discovery channel mm. oh wow it's so, like sort of mandated yeah, rogers part owner of the bucks i didn't know that yeah he, he, you'll find them frequently at bucks games um especially in the playoffs so but i doubt that he's been there much this season given that he's told the wisconsin fans he wants out and wants to play in new york People yep. in, in Wisconsin are really starting to hate on him like all of us Bears fans do. Yep. Unbelievable. All right, uh, guys, uh, before uh, we – oops, I hit the wrong button. Mm. Darn it. God damn it. <laughs> uh, Tooch, uh, Dan thinks these all those are implants. What do you think? I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking, I don't care. I don't care either. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, I do want to let people know that the Chris Watts go fun. Is still in effect, so hopefully uh, you can get over to GoFundMe and uh, send 10, 20, 30 dollars, whatever you can. It would be great. I think Shorty told me recently that they were up to like four or five hundred bucks, and so nice. that is great. Uh, I got contribute. Was... I have a contribute. Yeah, can you can you text me that link maybe? Or... I, I can indeed. I can right, indeed. Nice. What's a UK trip cost? I know that uh, when the Bears went to 
play the Raiders over there that uh, Greg Braggs went across the pond. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think don't he stayed know. With George. Yeah, he stayed, stayed with, with George. Yep. Yeah. Right. And uh, I've I've offered Chris uh, to stay here. So I, uh, I you know, when Shorty first did the budget, I think he was asking for like nine, ten thousand. And I said, "What the fuck? Were, were you fly, flying on first class?" He goes, "Yeah, it's a long flight." I go, "Fuck that! He's no, five feet tall. He'd be flying in It's like six, seven hours, man. <laughs> Try flying to Taiwan. <laughs> no shit, you've done that in coach, right? Dude? Sixteen hours in coach. Yeah. Holy Ooh. shit! With the yep. kids. Yep. And and did the kids spill yeah. popcorn and the and the flight attendant refused to pick it up? Did you hear that story? Man, they lit they lit that fucking plane on fire. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear about that, Dan McGuire? Yeah, I did not. I did not. I was like, man, my kids made a fucking mess of something. But we were we was a uh, EVA was our flight, Taiwan Air Airlines EVA. But some so celebrity was, really was some celebrity. I guess his wife was flying with the two kids a baby and a three or four year old and uh the three or four year old spilled a bunch of popcorn and so the wife asked the flight attendant i think well, no i think the flight attendant told the wife you need to clean that up and so he posted that online and he was eviscerated i'm forgetting what the guy's name was but he was eviscerated and um you know, he tried to get United Airlines involved, but it just backfired on him. He he, he was made to look like a you know rich, um, a rich spoiled guy. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Back in the day when I was flying, and you know the flight attendants were you know part of commercials and stuff, they would come over and clean. They they would go out of their way to help you, especially if you're a mom with a couple of kids. But so for her to say that to her, the flight attendant to say that to the mom, you need to clean that up. But she's got a baby in her hands. I don't know. That was weird. And she was pregnant too, says Tony. Holy shit. So I don't know. Uh, times have changed, man. Times have changed. All right. Uh, let us uh, talk about one or two other really quick prospects. And then we'll talk about Perry Mason, the hit HBO show. Yeah. Is it a hit? Do you guys know? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. It was pretty good. This, I mean, I, I was I on episode a... five you guys, when you texted me yesterday. I was like, oh, I got to catch up, you know. Okay, so we won't give uh, I had a couple away. episodes to watch today after work, so. But. Mm -hmm. but let me play this quick uh, clip. This is a Greg Gabriel, because uh, I'm thinking the Bears are going to target a cornerback in round three. And so here's one that I think could work out for the Bears. Kelly Ringo from Georgia, another big corner, 6'2", 207, 436. Now, when you see four, three, six, you say this guy's going to jump out of the building. Yet his vertical was only thirty-three and a half, and his long jump was decent at ten-two. You'd think with that kind of speed, he'd be more explosive because more often than not, they go hand in hand. But his jumps weren't really up to par as compared to his speed. He's a third-year sophomore, another tall, long, physical corner. He's good in support, very good press coverage, stays low, smooth turn, very quick transition, very good uh, hand, uh, very good turn and run skills, plays well uh, in man and off, uh, very solid support guy. If he didn't start as a rookie, he's going to be a hell of a special teams guy and then might be your your third corner. This guy's a really good player. Now, he has a little bit of tightness in his hips. 
he's not as smooth in his hips and with his turn as some of the uh, these other guys we've already talked about. But I, you know, I remember we had a guy in, in um, New York when I first went there, uh, and he was a tall corner like this, Perry Williams. He didn't have stiff hips. He had hips that were so stiff that it looked like, you know, you nailed two by fours to each hip. <laughs> but he, he, shit, you know, he was a marginal Pro Bowl player uh, with great ball skills and very, very physical. So it, uh, if you're asking the guy just to play press man, you can get away. If you can get away with that guy, if he's got to pay a lot of off, then he might struggle because in off, you got to anticipate and react because you're not in the guy's face necessarily. Um, so it'll be interesting how this group looks at this guy, but good football player. Greg is, is so good. He really is, right? Yeah, he's yeah. fucking smooth, man. Did, did you know that Perry Williams guy, Dan? Yeah, I think so. I, think I, I remember I him. Fucking, I don't remember him, and Greg remembered him. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> how, how does he do that? How do you guys do that? I can't remember what happened this morning. <laughs> <laughs> hips don't lie, says Laz. And that is Speaking so of true. hips don't lie, Shakira was facing jail time. What happened with that? What? Shakira? My girl? Yeah, she was uh, allegedly uh, evading paying taxes in Spain. Are you serious? I can't yeah, believe Yeah, she was that. facing prison time for, like, it's been a while now. That's why I was thinking maybe it's been adjudicated. I hope so. Man, isn't she on some TV show, The uh, uh, that singing show, where they have their chairs turned to the singers and then they... Uh. I don't know. Hit a buzzer. You need to watch some more reality shows. I just Black. hate reality shows. But uh, she's in trouble. Let me look this up. Uh, Jordan says it's still pending. Gotcha. And, and her boyfriend just left her. That I was aware of. Or she left him or he left her. She's having all sorts of problems. All right, guys. Let's uh, turn our attentions to the show from HBO. Perry Mason, let me uh, set it up for those people who may not be aware. This is, it's actually based on original stories that were written in the 1930s about a uh, lawyer named Perry Mason. There was, a, in the 1960s or 50s into the 60s, there was a hit TV show called Perry Mason based on that those same stories. And it was a, uh, you know, typical television show. They introduced the case and by the end of the hour, Perry Mason always won the case. He was so unbelievable. Attorney. Yes. Uh, the district attorney, the guy named Hamilton Berger, great name. Um, he, uh, he always lost. He always fucking lost. You would think he would have got fired, but, but no. Uh, Dreadful and, uh, show. Dreadful, Dreadful show. I, I hate the old show. I love the new show. <laughs> I totally agree. I've actually gone back to look at a couple of the old episodes because when I was a kid, I really didn't watch it. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're fucking awful. <laughs> they're really bad. Um, and Sanami is right. Uh, Raymond Burr really let himself go. And in fact, in the last, uh, I think he did a show afterwards called Ironside. Uh, Tucci probably remember Ironside on yeah. NBC. He was in a wheelchair then, and he really was in a wheelchair because of health issues. Uh, oh. So, uh, yeah. in any case, uh, so now we flat fast forward, flash, fast forward to. Uh, last season and Perry Mason uh, comes out 
I remember Tooch and Dan Aguirre talking extensively about the show on yes. the old yeah. uh, streaming. Uh, what was the name of the show? I have a stream. I, stream. I have a stream. And, and you guys were in love with it. Aaron Mikulski, too. He was a mm -hmm. part of that. Yes. Shout yes. out to Aaron. And you guys, uh, you guys spoke glowingly about it. I finally caught up with it. Binged the first season and now watching the second season, and I love this fucking show. I love it. Yep. It is so fucking well done. And uh, who did I see? Uh, somebody just said something about Detective Paul Drake from Perry Mason. I Outstanding character. Outstanding. Again, just, not talking about the fifties. I don't know if there's a Paul Drake on that shit or not. Yes, I, there, I don't know. Well, I love the dude on this Paul Drake. And mm -hmm. I liked how his wife was involved this week, too. I don't want to spoil too much for Tooch. But, yeah, yeah I thought Paul, uh, Drake, Paul Drake is awesome. Are you caught up? Yep. Okay, good. Yeah, the finale's next week. Yep. So did you see episode six? Because I think there's seven episodes, Tooch. You there's eight. Them? Isn't there eight? eight? Yeah, there's eight. So one more. I've seen seven. Okay. So you didn't see last night's Monday nights. No, he said yeah, he caught up. Seven. Yep. Caught the newest one. Oh, my bad. Okay. okay. Um, yep. So, uh, Dan, I want you to take us through what's happened in well, season two. Let me respond to your last comment. Whoever was up there was comparing to the Globetrotters. Yeah. And I agree. The 50 show is like that. But in, in this case, no pun intended with an actual court case, but in this show, Perry's very flawed. And at the beginning of season one, he's not even an attorney. This is a prequel. It's during the Great Depression. He, you know, he doesn't really see his kid. He's not a good father. He's a drinker, you know, sort of a womanizer type. He fights, you know, I mean, he claws yeah. and, but he does believe when he becomes an attorney in the people he represents and needs it to be real. Like he doesn't, you know, he does have, he's an anti-hero, but at least he believes in the people he's representing or he can't get motivated. Mm -hmm. So, with regards to season two, it's sort of hard for me to understand all the subplots, but there's this one guy who's famous within the community of Los Angeles in this historical 1930s LA who wants to bring in a, a stadium for a sports team. Whether I don't know if it's baseball, I assume, because NFL baseball. isn't the baseball. NFL yet. Yeah, so he wants somebody. The Dodgers are still in Brooklyn for another couple of years. So he wants a team to come to LA, but he grew up rich. You know, mm -hmm. and his dad just wants him to kind of keep his head low and not don't let people know we're fucking you're doing illegal stuff, such as, as we found out, he was funding the Japanese war effort because there was an embargo on Japan because I don't want to sound racist here or anything, but if you look up World War II history, the Japanese were kind of assholes, you know. They were. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not trying to besmirch Asian people or Japanese people now, but they were sort of the aggressors. The way we can say America's been the aggressor. In recent wars and sometimes, uh, mm -hmm. but in that era, the Japanese, you know what I'm saying, the Japanese were, uh, they were, you know, pals with Hitler at times. So anyway, mm -hmm. uh, so he's illegally sending oil to the Japanese and as it turns out, may have killed his own son <clears throat> uh, to avoid this news coming out. And along the way, they arrest these two Mexican guys as just the patsies. Maybe they did it. Maybe they didn't do it. It looks like maybe they did because they just, they have no fucking money, man. And they just want them to be convicted and, and, and not cover up any of their shady shit in their family. But Perry in is almost gone to jail himself 
for concealing a weapon to try to help his clients and has put everything on the line for them, even potentially being disbarred and potentially going to jail. But through the help of Pete Strickland, who was his friend who then went to the DA, is kind of flip-flop because he felt bad about double-crossing him. They may have a way to salvage this whole thing. It is so fucking well done. Here's a couple of things that I really like about it. There's, you know, there's a lot of characters, but they do a really good job of really fleshing out all the characters, like the detective Paul Drake, African-American guy. And so you can imagine the racism he encounters trying to do his job as a, uh, uh, as a, uh, private detective for uh, the lawyer Perry Mason and they focus in on his family because he had quit uh, as a police officer uh, and Perry Mason couldn't find them work for several months he had to move in with his family and so you get to see that it's not as boring as I'm making it sound it's all no, really it's well done great acting and then the other subplot storyline that I fucking love is Della Street, Perry Mason's legal assistant in the With 1950s. Her lesbian lover. Yes. In the 1950s, yeah. she was played by Barbara Hale, a beautiful actress. Who knew that Barbara Hale was secretly a lesbian? <laughs> At least that's how she's interpreted in the HBO show. And I got to fucking tell you, every one of those scenes where she is having lesbian sex are so fucking well done. They're tender. There's titties showing. <laughs> yeah. They love each other. It is so fucking well done. I, I mean... I'm still worried she's getting set up, though, from the other chick. It does. It, they are hinting now, because as, as we're getting to the plot resolution, is who has been giving information to the bad guys? And so the lesbian lover is a suspect. Uh, you know, uh, Detective Paul Drake's wife was suspected, but she's clearly not. That's been settled already. Perry's a couple of girlfriend. Other, yeah, Perry's girlfriend. Amy who he, or Miss Amy. You miss Amy, and uh, yeah, I'm I mean, Perry apologizes to her before next week's over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. he really laid into her. It's like, come on, dude. Oh man, great scene. Yeah. He goes into her home. Yeah. This is a uh, the school teacher of his child, uh, yeah. who he started dating, and he suspected that she had told the authorities that he had the murder weapon in his safe, and so he goes in there and just fucking. Uh, and beats the shit out of Pete Strickland, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yes, apparently I the guy can Pete, fight. Pete sold him out, didn't he? Yeah, he's the one who told about the weapon. Right. And I loved uh, Mason's line, or um, uh, Matthew Reese. He's like, when he was arguing with Paul Drake, too, he's like, do you want to get your ass kicked twice in one day? <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> I love that scene. Yeah, yeah. Barry Mason could fight, you know? By the way, the old Raymond Burr character, I, I know of his career because I've, I've done some re reading on it and so forth. When he first started his Hollywood career in the late 1940s and 50s, he always played the fucking heavy. He was the bad guy because he looked like a bad guy. I mean, he, he, had the, he was a barrel-chested guy. You know, he had this kind of deep circles under his eyes and that deep voice and stuff and so when he became perry mason i think that was the first time i ever see, saw him as a good guy and it didn't work for me <laughs> i'm sorry pj i know you like the show you watched it with your mom and stuff but i just i just thought it was bad but hey quick anyway. sidebar in real life matthew reese is with carrie russell they were in the americans together which again was a Live. great show uh 
Carrie Russell has a new show that's coming on Netflix this week called The Diplomat. It looks pretty good. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've never watched The Americans. Have you guys watched it? Oh, Carrie yeah, Russell's in Cocaine Bear, too. Yes. Oh, I got to watch it. The, yeah. the late Ray Liotta, who well, was... Cocaine I, Bear was really good, man. <laughs> I agree. Well, Ice Cube Sun's in it, too. Yeah, O'Shea Jackson. Yeah, it's a, you know, the Cocaine Bear was kind of like uh, a retro movie. Not retro, the, the Barfly, but or like retro... Uh, like I, there was like shades of like Caddyshack kind of. Mm-hmm. Well, it's set there. in 1985 as well. Right. right. Ah. Like, like instead of like, because you know, like at in Caddyshack there was a bunch of crazy folk that worked at the golf club, and co- in Cocaine Bear is a bunch of like folk that frequent the state park. You know, a bunch, <laughs> yeah, of, exactly. char- a bunch of characters. You know, it's really funny, man. Yeah, Aldo, yeah. the Americans. Though I agree with Tooch on yeah. his assessment with Cocaine Bear. The yeah. Americans, again, to me, if you look it up, man, it's got 99, uh, 98, 100% approval every season. I know you ca- you care a lot about reviews before you waste your time on shows. I yeah. do. The Americans yeah. was great. And then finally, at the end, Matthew Reese won an Emmy for it. He was nominated every year, and so was she. And he finally won, uh, you know, best whatever, uh, best leading male for uh, an, uh, the television series. Yeah. It was now, on I'm- six seasons. It was great. I'm definitely going to binge it. So, uh, you know, maybe this yeah, summer I'll binge it because I, I love those political dramas and uh, yeah. I've heard so many wonderful things about yeah. it. It so, starts yeah. out in 81, around the time Reagan is shot. Mm-hmm. And the music, everything, it's so well done. Nothing is like out of place. They're not playing a song from 89 and trying to sell it as 81. And the cars are good, you know. But the cool thing, if you think about how talented Matthew Reese is, mm-hmm. he's he's from Wales. He's really, really British. But in the Americans, he's playing a Russian who's secretly an American spy. So he's got to have a Russian accent at times in flashbacks, an American accent, and the whole time, he's from fucking Wales. That's awesome. He's incredible. Like, when you hear him on Perry Mason, does he not sound just like an American? Yes, yes. I'm always amazed because I do know that he's... uh, from England or Wales and is England and Wales the same thing? I, I, I apologize. Geographically. I, I think, I don't know a hundred percent. I think they're both part of the UK. I guess we could yep, get Wales Berlissimo or, yep. mm-hmm. or somebody Chris Watts to help us. But yeah, uh, he's really, really British, like over the top, almost seems like an SNL impression. Mm-hmm. Mr. Mam yeah. says the daughter in the Americans is annoying. Her arc goes from early on as a kid not knowing that her parents are spies to becoming a spy. And I, I, that's not too much of a spoiler because uh, you see it coming from a mile away. Okay, It's such um, a good show, though. It is phenomenal. Demon asked me, but I'll ask all of us here, uh, is there any movie you're looking forward to seeing in the near future? I got to tell you that new Evil Dead uh uh, picture the trailers look good. Uh, if are you guys are familiar with the Evil Dead series, right? Sam Raimi's uh, sure. uh, movies from what were they, the 80s, Dan? Yeah, the first one's like 81, and then okay, Evil Dead 2 is 87, and then I just hated Army of Darkness. So many people like that. I That's agree, from 93. With you. I fucking hate it. Yep, I was very disappointed with that one, and then uh, they've redone it. Uh, it, in the, over the last 10 years, I think there have been two sequels to it. The first one I loved. 
I loved, and now I'm watching the previews of this upcoming Evil Dead. I'm into it, man. I want. And I don't know if you know this or not, then Aldo. They did a show on Stars with Bruce Campbell again, an Evil Dead series on on Stars. Evil Dead. It was really funny too. (laughs) I never knew about that. I didn't like it. To me, not to you know contradict Tooch, but to me, if you like Army of Darkness, you'll like that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like Army of Darkness. I I just thought it was terrible. I've seen it twice because I thought maybe the second time I would like it better, but nope, nope. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Three oh, yeah. is coming. I know Dan Aguirre is dying to see that. No, he hates <laughs> that stuff. That's, yeah, that's yeah. a negative one for me. Uh, uh, I have not seen one or two, so uh, but I, I oh, understand. Oh, they're good, man. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been told by even people who are not yeah. Marvel fans that it's really yeah, worth watching. Like it. Yeah, it's kind of not your typical Marvel movie. You know, it's kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little different, you know. The characters are kind of weird and different, and the uh, it's you know, it's got a lot of retro soundtrack, is great in that. And uh, mm. uh, the characters are all pretty funny, you know, the Dave Bautista and Chris Pratt. And, oh, uh, Dave Bautista's in there, huh? Bradley Cooper, yeah. Oh, yep. wow, great cast. I'm yeah. really looking Zoe forward Saldana's to it. Sorry, always, yeah, was you like Zoe Saldana, Danny, yeah, of course. I, I don't know about a movie off the top of my head that I want to see right off, uh, but I want to see the new HBO show carried by Woody Harrelson about the Watergate. Uh, yes. It's been so many times, but I, I, he's playing E. Howard Hunt. I really want to see that. And I told you the one Sean Penn did with Julia Roberts on Stars was amazing too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I love Woody Harrelson. So uh, that starts on, I think, May 1st, May something, something like that. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I I you know I got Apple TV recently, and I was really fucking looking looking forward to seeing that. Uh, uh, what's the one that you recommended to me so much with uh, uh, Julia Roberts? Yeah, that's what I was talking about with Sean Penn. It's on Stars. Yes. Uh, yeah, so yeah. that's I was fucking pissed off. It's like I'm looking for an Apple, and it's like oh shit, it's on Stars. I don't have that. I gotta <clears> fucking get that now. I, I can give you my stars login if you want to use it. Nah, I hate to do that. Well, it's it's really all you gotta do is put my. Uh, you say okay, his uh, provider's Direct TV, my email, my password, and you have full access. It's not it's not a big deal. I mean, you could be watching it in two minutes. Fucking FBI is listening. You know that, right? Well, I mean, everybody <laughs> everybody shares passwords. I mean, let's just be honest. I don't think I'm committing some. Uh, if anything, it's a misdemeanor. I don't believe it's a felony, but who knows. I know somebody who would do it. I don't like being a dirty, filthy little boy. <laughs> Is that supposed to be Aaron Rodgers? Suddenly Aldo's underwater. Yeah. Oh, no, really? Yeah, you can you hear me? Yeah, I could hear you now. Yeah, I could. Okay. Little... Oh, sorry. Lost you for a um, second there. This chick here? Hello, little boy. <laughs> <laughs> you do realize she was probably born in 2004. <laughs> she was born a couple uh, years ago. I'm saying she's 18. <laughs> going to be 19, but still, she was probably fucking one or two when the Bears lost the Super Bowl. Uh, all right, so give me the fucking stars thing. J Rock just said they don't care. I, I'm going to take J Rock's. Yeah, I swear it. it's only like eight episodes. It's great. It's mm-hmm. fucking great. I, I 
absolutely love it. Now, Demon is saying they listen in, Dan. Your subscription is going to double. <laughs> <laughs> I already pay over $200 a month as a TV as it is. So, <laughs> Now, you guys told me that you did not like Knock at the Cabin, <coughs> the M. Night Shyamalan movie, because I liked it. It was okay. Like yeah. It. I thought it was all right. Dan, what you say? I didn't watch it. I don't like that okay. M. Night, whatever the fuck his name is. Oh, I just come don't on, like give him a chance. His movies are terrible to me. No, they're, they're just not. terrible. <laughs> like, no, I really not. hated the, the Sixth Sense. I really hate it. I mean, hated Why? it. The, the Why? One re I hated the one in the elevator called Devil. And then the one I saw most recently uh, with the guy who's kidnapped this girl. And oh, God, what one was that one called? It's from like 2018. Uh, Splinter? Yeah, it's something like he's got multiple personalities. Split, maybe. Yeah, yeah split or split. splinter. Yeah, something like that. Oh, split. I thought that was fucking horrible. I mean, I, I, I didn't like the one with uh, about glass, Unbreakable <laughs> or something with Samuel Jackson and, and Bruce yeah. Willis. I, I just don't like this guy, man. I don't like his movies at all. I mean, I like him. You know, I know that he's he's had some hits and misses. You know, I don't like all of his movies, but I just find him to be a fascinating filmmaker. And that the opening of Knock at the Cabin is so well shot. It reminded me of a Hitchcock movie. Yeah. The way he places the camera, people talking right at the camera, how this David yeah, through Bautista the snow, character. Through the woods and grass. Yep. Yes. Yeah. David Bautista, you know, uh, uh, tells the little girl why he's there. It's all really tense, beautiful filmmaking. The yeah. story gets a little, eh, to, you know, towards the middle and so forth, but he, M. Night Shyamalan is a really gifted filmmaker storytelling wise he tries for a lot of gimmicks and stuff and i can see why some people aren't into that but i i like it i like him very good filmmaker says saying omni yeah. he's got the <clears throat> omni seal of approval with with the like a with a phenomenal script and you know his scripts aren't always like you know great but mm -hmm. with a phenomenal script it could you know knock it out of the park but Yep. Uh, the Village with uh, Ron Howard's daughter, Bryce yeah. Dallas Howard. A fabulous movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to yeah. talk to Anna to this. No, I, I didn't see it. I'm... Bryce Dallas directs <laughs> a lot of uh, shows now, too. Yeah. She does, uh, she's she not does. directing the Mandalorian episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ash. Oh, look who's here. Ash. Ashley. Ash. Yeah, I hope her cat's okay, man. She's had to take her cat to the vet a few times. Uh, her cat's got something this, in its eye, and it's like it's like the Oakland here, so it needs a patch. What What about your cat? Uh, I had to Is drop a thousand dollars, but he's finally getting well. A thousand? Yeah, he had to have surgery, and then I needed pain meds, and then I needed steroids because yeah. his lips got in, inflamed and were bleeding okay. and. Huh? It's yeah. just, it, it was such a long process. He's finally, seems to be on the upswing. How, how old is he? He's 11. Okay. My dog needed an $800 procedure or he was going to die. And I tried to talk my wife into not spending it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> man, pets are expensive, man. I know. <laughs> just, wow. Yep. yep. You don't have a pet now, do you, Tooch? Yeah, we have the cat, but the cat's oh. old. So she's like 12. She's never, ever had any health issues, which is great. Knock on fucking wood. Yeah, knock on wood. Uh, but uh, I don't know if something went wrong. I might have to make a you know an executive decision. <laughs> I love the cat. But, you know. 
Oh man. If I ever get a, another pet, I'm going to make sure that it's uh, something that I can eat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just in case, you know. All right. So speaking of health insurance. Yep. I've got speaking of eating. Uh -huh. I don't know. I don't know even about Tooch. Did you all have you caught up with Yellow Jackets yet? They finally had their first cannibalism scene a couple weeks ago. I haven't. No. Yeah, I haven't. I got to watch it. How many episodes are they in already? Uh, they're into four four episodes into season two. And in the oh. second episode, did you see the conclusion of season one? Mm -hmm. I saw the girl one. froze to death uh, because they were having an argument. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's that's who they're going to eat. I mean, it's, it's so well done. It yeah. makes... It's a big payoff. They probably should have done it at the end of season one, but it this the second episode is definitely worth your time, uh, just to see that scene. How it's they they're starving. They, it's it, winter time. Uh, it's snowing. I mean, they have there's no food, no game to kill, and it leads up to that. And it's uh, it's really well done. Elijah Wood is in this season. He is. He he is the love interest finally for Christina Ricci's character. Ooh. I got you know I. I I can see where Hugh's coming from here. Last season, I, I struggled through some of the episodes, but I know that mm. you guys loved it a lot. And yeah. so I kept watching it. Saw the entire first shit. season. Yeah. <laughs> this season, I haven't been, I have not seen a single episode from this season. I've been kind of reluctant. I don't know if I want to devote the time, but you guys think I should, huh? I do. It's I, already I been renewed for season three. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I, I love season one, but man, it, it's dark and it, it, like, it's like emotionally draining. It's like, yeah. fucking, you know, it's like, punishment I don't know. Oh, this will make you happy. Uh, you know, who's on the show now just started in episode four, the girl that played Claire on six feet under. Oh yeah. I love her. Yeah. Love she, her. she, yeah. Do you remember the girl on, uh, when they're young on yellow jackets in season one, that gets attacked by an animal in the face. Oh yeah. 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 And you think she's going to die, but she lives. Right yeah. in in the future, that's Claire from Six Feet Under. Oh, how about that? How about that? She just got unveiled at the end of last episode. See, part of part of the problem that I have with the series is the jumping back and forth. And usually, I I, I don't mind a, a non narrative, non linear uh, storytelling. I I enjoy it very very much. Pulp Fiction, great storytelling. Uh, yeah. Lots of great movies that are that way. But to me, with Yellow Jackets, it, it's, I, I don't know, I find it, I, it's, I, I don't find the jumping back and forth as appealing as I have with other, with other uh, movies and TV shows that use that technique. Six Feet Under, best series finale ending of all time, and St. Omni is right. St. Yeah. Omni and I, I have a lot, very similar opinions. I got, I, this is, Spoiler alert, sort of. If you have not watched Six Feet Under, you should. The, every episode started with the death, and then we would see how the people in the funeral home would handle that death. But that was like the uh, a new storyline every week. But the family drama continued and grew on from year to year to year. Well, how does the series end? Well, of course, we find out how everyone that worked at the Fisher funeral home died. And, died and it's just so beautifully done with a great song by it's hard uh, not to cry watching that if you're that, oh in those characters god the guy that played dexter who uh who plays the brother right when, when he sees his lover because he's his lover died first he got shot remember mm -hmm. like uh, he was like doing private security he quit being an officer and he dies first so he's like like at a pickup game with kids or something and sees his lover young 
coming toward him and he just fucking falls out dead that was so so fucking like god damn how do you not cry to that shit man yep yeah yep. Or mom, the girl from american horror story that is their mother when she dies she sees her son who was the main character had already died she sees him and then the, the husband standing there waiting on her that's shit we can only hope and imagine and dream of, of being mm-hmm. at that time it, it's so it is it, it was so well done I can't put it over enough. It was incredible. Yep. Uh, I got that yeah, well, GoFundMe for Chris Watts up on the screen, uh, but I will text nice. it to you, uh, Mr. Tantucci. You know uh, somebody in... Go ahead, Tantucci. I'm sorry. What's good about talking movies is that gets rid of Don Burr. <laughs> <laughs> People in the chat are commenting on Chernobyl, one of the yeah. best series of oh. all time, but yeah. what a bummer yeah, that thing is. Holy cow. Yeah. It did sad. Last of Us, those produ- whatever the creators, producers, whatever. It went on to do Last of Us. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't get into Last of Us, but I did like Ch- Chernobyl. I, I The Last of Us, I man, I watched one episode and part of the second one, and I just quit it. I, I just couldn't dig it, and I should have. It seems like something I would like. I didn't like it. Yeah. I don't know. I just did not like it. I don't know, man. Uh, I'm trying to think of something that I just saw recently, a feature film, and I can't remember it, and I wanted to talk about it. I should have written it down. It'll come to me. Uh, you know what I try to do is I go to Rotten Tomatoes, and I leave a, a like a two-sentence review just so that I can fucking remember if I've seen the movie or not. Let's see if I can find out what I... <laughs> Oh, you've got some extensive yeah. reviews on there, though. I have some that are extensive, yeah. Yeah, man, that's like you put a lot of time into that. Eh, I was meant to be a writer. What can I say? No, no, <laughs> I, I'm amazed at it. So I'm saying I'm not, I'm not uh, being critical. It's just like, wow, I don't have the time. I to, agree to with actually it. a little bit there. Last of Us is kind of was kind of boring. I didn't like it. I, mean, I, just, I, need, I hated it. I needs a little bit more action out of that. Which one is Last of Us? I'm I'm forgetting which one that is. It's like a zombie apocalypse. It's oh yes, it's been done so many times. And yep, yes. I didn't like that show on A and E that everybody loved either. The Mm. Walking Dead. Fear the Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. Oh God, it's getting. I like the first couple of seasons of The Walking Walking Dead, Dead, and then yeah, up up until like the the when when Negan had everybody kneeling, that was like one of the most intense. Oh, that was awesome! Television history. Man, I was literally shaking with so much adrenaline. Like, who's he gonna bash with the bat? You know, because you have a lot invested in the characters, and you know someone's gonna die, and they left you hanging for one fucking whole season. A whole fucking season. That first episode that season when they came back, I was literally shaking from adrenaline. Mm. You know, because I knew they were gonna change it up from the comic books, but. The last show that I felt that much intensity that you're describing, like all jokes aside, where I'm just so invested in the characters and not wanting them to die, was the second season, the one that everyone shits on, but the second season of True Detective, when like Colin Farrell's death in it, like he had a dream about it earlier in the season, and it ends up, you don't know that, you think it's just a dream because he got shot with some buckshots early in the show. And his dad tells him, like, you just got ate up, son. And you think it's because of those buckshots. But everything his dad told him in that dream is how he dies at the end. Mm-hmm. And you see it coming. You're like, oh, no, he died. But he could have gotten away, but he wanted to communicate with his son. And that's how they got him. And then Vince Vaughn's death. Everyone hates Vince Vaughn for some reason. But Vince Vaughn's death, uh, he's walking in the desert after he got stabbed. Yeah. And 
he suddenly sees, and you know it when you look at it because he stops holding his wound and he mm. sees his girl, his wife or his girlfriend. And he walks over towards suddenly he's, you know, he's okay. And he's like, I told you I was going to make it. She's like, you did. And now you can rest. And he's like, ah, there's no rest, baby. We got to go and spend the rest of our lives together. And he's, she's like, but baby, you didn't make it. You fell down over there. And he looks back and sees his own body and his lips quiver and he collapses. Wow. Oh, it's good. so good, man. It's like, and it, so many people's like True Detective season two was awful. I, 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 I liked it. it, man. So did I. It was great. I thought season four is supposedly <laughs> this year sometime with Jodie yeah. Foster. Yeah, I can't wait for That's that. That's great casting. But was, John Hickley Jr. is out, by the way. I don't know if it's good casting or not. Nick uh, Palazzolo. <laughs> That's why he shot Reagan. Like the, cre- <laughs> the original creator of True Detective, is he going to be involved with season four? No, I heard he was completely okay. apart from it. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a good move. That's what I thought. Get some new blood yeah. in there. Get some Did, new uh, life into it. I was wondering, either, if either of you guys have, have seen, or I don't know if I've talked about this, but it's a Vince Vaughn movie. It's called Brawl and Cell Block 99. Has anybody seen it? No. You no. have to see it. It's Vince Vaughn, and it's like... He's like a, a former boxer who gets, you know, he he goes to jail, doesn't want to roll over, and he's in jail, and, like, they make him do some stuff, blackmailing him, but, you know, they kidnap his wife while he's in prison. And, like, the fight scenes are great, and you have to watch it. Well, Brawl in, in Cell Block 99. It's by the guy who did uh, Bone Tomahawk, which was... What platform is it on? <clears throat> I think it's on, it's on Pluto right now, which is, like, free, but you have to, right. you know, it has commercials. But there's yeah, a, I'm a it's big on Tubi another guy. one too. Maybe like Roku, Roku, or it might be on Tubi. But uh, really I'm good. Man. It's, it's, it's so fucking good, man. <laughs> the lines are great. He's like he's like a smart ass uh, redneck. <laughs> like just does Tubi does Tubi have commercials in their movies? It does, but like yeah. earlier today, I watched that movie I told you about that the guy from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that he directed, Toby Hooper, Toby had directed it. It had a very young Robert England in it, and the girl. That was the the uh, the one that survived the end of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Her name's Marilyn something. Uh, she's the one that got away to play Sally. Anyway, they're in. They're both in this film. I'd never heard of it called Eaten Alive from '76. Mm. Where, yeah, yeah, this guy at a hotel like feeds all the all the victims anybody's got a beef with to a crocodile. Mm. You just <laughs> they just get eaten alive, literally. And it's not the greatest movie or anything, but again, it's they have all these old horror movies. Some of which I've seen, a lot of them I've seen, but some of them I'd never even heard of. Such as that. Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. Oh, yeah. yeah the first season is the great. I love it. Classic. But I like two yeah. and three as well. Yeah, so did that I. One, two and three great, too. Uh, the uh, finale of True Detective season one was also one of the best TV endings of all time. It was so fucking poetic and, yes. and, and, and uh, intoxicating. The Boy, only thing I will complain about is that Matthew McConaughey would have bled out, given where his wound was and how far, how long he was there bleeding. Mm-hmm. He had like an abdomen or stomach wound. I mean, he would have bled out. But yeah, I remember at the time people were saying, "Oh, it's just a bro fest. There's not a lot, not enough female characters." Fuck that, man. Look, I love women characters. Don't get me wrong. In fact, I thought females in season one were good, especially the one that had the affair with McConaughey that was Woody's wife. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was so well done. It looked like real sex to me. Um, <laughs> but their characters together, that was such a great story. And how at the end, because McConaughey's always kind of 
saying intellectual stuff that Woody's character can't comprehend. But by the end of it, it's like he has empathy for him and, and actually cares about him. And it's completely like turned around there, you know, from where the shit that used to annoy him is endearing to him now. It's so well done. Mm. Hot to check out, man. I mean, we live in a great uh, era for television. Uh, going to the movies, that experience has died out for people my age. Tooch, when was the last time you were in a movie theater? I went to see uh, Dungeons and Dragons. It was awesome. Hunter Among yeah, Thieves. Really funny. Oh, you got you got kids. Did you take he, the kids to see that? Yeah. And my right. four-year-old was scared shitless. <laughs> the other ones enjoyed it. My son was there, my wife. and uh, Oh, cool. We went to this, like, uh, it was the first time I'd gone to a movie theater since before the pandemic. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we went and my wife got some, like, free tickets from her work at the hospital. And then we went and, like, used the free tickets and bought. We sat, like, center, you know, at the where, where the on the aisle in the back. You know, there's, like, a front section and a back section. Right. And the, the, the seats were full recline and the motion, you know, like, during the movie and shit. It was awesome, man. It was really funny too, man. Chris Pine was hilarious. Um, Chris Pine is an underrated actor. There's Very a much. lot of yep. there's a lot of you know good looking male actors who are bashed, and I think it's because you know they they think that they've gotten by on their good looks. But I think yeah. Tom Cruise is a good actor. I mean, the guy is a really a phenomenal physical actor. The, the yeah. world uh, loves Jackie Chan because of the stunts that he he does. The world oh, yeah. should love Tom Cruise, too. I mean, those necessarily aren't my, my types of movies, you know, yeah. watching him jump out of a plane and stuff. But when I do watch them, the motherfucker's great at it. He at broke him. his leg in the last Mission Impossible movie, like jumping. That's from one right. I heard bro- that. Broke his leg. Could not. Do they, they had to take, like, whatever, six weeks off until his leg healed. You know? Why do I think that. Doing uh, his own stunts. Tom. Tom Cruise is on that same list of of actors or people that Dan Aguirre dislikes. Like, no, I love Tom Cruise. I don't yeah. like the religion thing's weird to me. Don't get me wrong, but like one of my favorite movies ever is with Tom Cruise, a uh, risky business that never gets oh, old yeah. to me. Classic. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you love Chicago, man, you gotta love risky business. You know? Yeah, it's it's That's it never gets. I've seen it probably fifty times North in my Shore. life. It n- never gets old. My cousin Ruben um, from Skokie, Aldo. Oh really? No, no, just that was a line from the movie. Oh, like my cousin Ruben from Skokie. Uh, what was the name of the football movie that he did uh, all- with Craig? Yes. Craig T. Nelson. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's great. That that's one of my top ten favorite football movies. Uh, high school yeah. football player trying uh, to leave this uh, fictitious town called Coal Am- Mining. Mine. What was the name of the town? Uh, pipe. Uh, pipe something. It's like uh, the it town Mike Ditka grew up in, for real. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so he yep. sees this football scholarship uh, as a way to get out of that town. Unfortunately, yep. he gets into an argument with his head coach who starts sabotaging him. Really well done. The football scenes yeah. are well shot. Uh, highly recommend it. There's a nice love scene between him and the uh, woman who was in Back to the Future who played the mom. Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson, yes. Yep. Very, very sexy lady. Yeah. Uh, and then I saw her on a talk show with Casual David Letterman, sex, and right? I said, holy cow, she's pretty Yeah, dumb. you know who Leah Thompson's leading man was in Casual Sex? Who's yeah. that? A- Andrew, Andrew Dice, Dice Clay, Clay, who I'm going to see live <laughs> nice. in May on May 13th. Politically incorrect. <laughs> 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 I love Brooklyn <laughs> as well, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm going to see Dice in, in Baltimore next month. That is awesome. Nice. I'm man. jealous, man. I'm listening what? to some of his stand up from the that period, and there's no way he could do that act today. Yeah, his comedy really evolved, though. People just don't know okay. it. Have have yeah, you? Uh, what's what's your favorite Dice Clay joke from that era when he became? Oh, oh God, I, I mean, there's so many, but he so many. he he did he had these two great albums called "The Day That Laughter Died" and then "The Day Laughter Died 2, where he has no fucking he just he's just standing the, the way we do the show it's all impromptu and he's just talking to the audience mm-hmm. he looks over at this woman and uh, her guy went to the bathroom he's like so finally i got you alone he's like i've been looking at your fucking tits this whole time he's like, <laughs> he's like i want to come on i want to come so much in your fucking tits there's no more fucking there's there's no tits left it's just my fucking cum <laughs> <laughs> And then he's like, "Oh, you're back." <laughs> he's like, "I was just rapping with your wife, you know." It's uh... <laughs> that's funny. That's oh, funny. It's so fucking funny. But again, it's it's so politically incorrect now. But yes, yeah. it is. He he evolved though. I mean, it it really did evolve. Foster asked yeah. a question. I have has anybody seen this History of the World uh, Part Two now? That's on one I of the streaming like services. The first episode or two, and I gotta say, I didn't laugh a lot. So I was like, "Oh." Mm-hmm. But history of the world part one was brilliant though yeah that that definitely yeah i you know i'm i'm worried about watching it because no offense to mel brooks but he's like 160 years old what can you say <laughs> that's gonna yeah. make me laugh you know <laughs> so i'm a little yeah. afraid to see it uh some people in the chat room are not fans of the dice. yeah it's so politically incorrect now you're so man. right dan aguire i mean he and good for him that he's changed his act and stuff and and he's very well regarded even he was on, go ahead i was gonna say even back then he did an hbo special in 92 i think called for ladies only where uh-huh. he and every joke was turned on the males at the show mm-hmm. just to show he could do it he did right. everything. He's just like, look at this Neanderthal. You know, he comes in three seconds. And, you know, it's again, it wasn't corny when he did it. It was fun. But the whole thing was catered to the females there and all insults on the guys. Hmm. Retro says, Dan, I can blow a golf ball through a garden hose. I'm taking a woman. Let me just say, I got a female that's going with me. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, Sweet. she loves comedy. Uh, so yeah, she's not the best part. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> that's send me pictures, not of dice, but of her. <laughs> <laughs> we got VIP tickets, so we might be a part of the show on, on getting insulted. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dice had a show on Showtime that really? I thought was really good. Yes, he <laughs> he he co-hosted. I faintly on- remember, it was called <sighs> Undisputed, right? Was that it? Dice Undisputed or something? Hmm. Let me see. Andrew Dice Clay. I saw it, and it was, like, based on his real life and, and, you know, him trying to get gigs to work and stuff. I thought it was really fucking well done. And they canceled it after just one season. Hey, I got one for you real quick because I got to go, unfortunately. I would love to talk this shit all night. Mm -hmm. I got to go to work, though. But Johnny Depp's second movie ever, his first movie ever is A Nightmare on Elm Street. You follow me, Aldo? Yeah. His second movie has got dice in it as well. It's called Private Resort. It's from 85. It's mm. so fucking dirty and funny. 
Like Dice isn't one of the main characters. Remember he's, that. <laughs> he's a supplemental character, but he's fucking great in it. But Johnny Depp's great in it too. And the lady that was in Police Academy that sang the national anthem at the Super Bowl that one year, Super Bowl 17, shows her tits and it. it's it's she's oh she's so hot. But anyway, Private <laughs> Resort, if you could ever ever look that up. Johnny Depp's second movie ever with Dice Clay. It's it's so funny. I will definitely check that it's out. It's a typical hey. 80s cheesy kind of vulgar movie. Like if you like Tom Hanks's Bachelor Party movie, mm-hmm. it's that kind of humor. It's it's really vulgar, it, it, but it's so good. I, hey, uh, we made a promise that when Dan Aguirre leaves the show, we're going to end the show. So, uh, mm-hmm. Dan, any final words before you head out? It was fun again to bring it full circle. I'm sorry that things didn't work out with her with Nomad and, and with the other Dan. I respect both gentlemen. I wish them both well. Uh, I had such a, a fun time here. And like Ashley says, political correctness does not include coming on tits. <laughs> is, it, is it better for me to say in the mouth? No. Um, yeah, it was it was a fun show in spite of all the you know the stuff at the beginning and 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 I, I'm glad that you know we we're still going. You know. Yes, and we will forever until I die. <laughs> or I die. I mean, I'm yeah. right there with you. <laughs> Tooch, any final words? I just want to thank the Barflies again for always being here. We've got a great job in the chat room. And Sorry I was late. I was trying to catch up on on uh, uh, Perry Mason. I had like two episodes. I knew I was a little behind. But, uh, ah, that's where you were. Good, I had man. some other other shows I've been watching too. You know, mm-hmm. pretty good. You know, the the last thing he told Mans me is, really is good probably one so of my favorite receivers. Uh, oh fuck, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my mouse is so sensitive. And, it just <laughs> recently, uh, although my wife was like, "What's this movie, Officer and a Gentleman?" I was like, "Oh, we gotta watch it. You'll like it." And oh, like the nice. first part of the movie takes place in the Philippines. So I was like, mm-hmm. you know, because that's where he kind of grew up with Robert Loja was his deadbeat dad that you know, raised him after. That's Richard Gere, so right? Said, Richard, Richard Gere. Gere. Yep. Yeah, and, I didn't uh, see that one either. I've seen it on and never watched it. Yeah, it's it's so a good, good movie, Dan. I think Classic. you'll like it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she, you know, the beginning of the movie takes place in Subic Bay, you know, naval base in the Philippines. So she was into it immediately. And then, you know, when you get to the end of that movie, it's hard not to cry a little bit. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So, but Louis Gossett Jr., man, yep. Academy and Award. De- and Deborah Winger fantastic. is. So fucking that, hot in that movie. She was so oh my cute. God, so cute, man. Jesus. So I, yeah. you know what's? I, I want uh, real quick. I was going to tell you something else I saw, but a connection. You all brought up Deborah Winger. Fun fact. Uh, so uh, initially, you know the Richard Gere film, uh, American Gigolo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm His talking about. Made it. Oh yeah. His first movie. Well, yep. Paul Schrader. It was, it was supposed yep. to be Travolta in the role, and oh, Travolta wow. backed out of that movie. To yes. work with Deborah Winger and Urban Cowboy. Yes. So that made, I made that connection right there. But what I was going to say, a movie I, I, I'd seen on maybe as a kid, but never watched all the way through, because it's from 90, and I watched it the other night, and I was fucking crying like a bitch, man. Like mm-hmm. that Robert De Niro, Robert Williams, Robin Williams movie oh, called yeah. Awakenings. Yeah. Like Ro- yes. Robin Williams is so That's straight-laced the, uh... in it and is not yeah. trying to be funny or anything. He's brilliant in it, and De Niro's doing a good – man, I fucking cried. Like on that, and then I saw another really cool old movie uh, with Gene Hackman called The Chamber, where he plays this like uh, his character was in the the KKK, but he takes a fall because he wants to be like loyal to all the other rednecks, I guess, 
Mm-hmm. And but he really didn't kill. He did. He didn't kill these uh, the this family that he's he's on death row for. So uh, mm. it's it's good. Not that you necessarily sympathize with them, but it gives his character context to where it's basically the moral is that that racism and shit is like taught to him because his dad was in the Klan, his grandfather yeah. was in the Klan, and again, it's Gene Hackman, man. He's he's a great actor. Yeah. So yep, indeed, Hackman's one of the best. Yeah. The best. So both of those movies, I was surprised how good they were. All right. Well, uh, Dan Aguirre is going to go off to save lives. Tooch is going to yeah, go off Danny. to save, make some money. And I am going mm-hmm. off to bed. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Yep. More programming live tomorrow. Best way to stay on top of stuff is subscribe to our YouTube channel, Ballroom Network, or wherever you get your audio po- podcast. Good night, everybody. Hey. Uh, what? I sent you the stars login, too. Check your Oh, text. thank you. Thank yes, you, please utilize it, please. I, I will. Bye-bye. Okay. <laughs> Thank you.